Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows, uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Today we sit down with Mike Peck, Associate Head Coach from UT San Antonio. Coach Peck has a decorated resume. He is a man of faith. He has a tremendous story about family and perseverance. He's a former G League Head Coach. He is also a former prep school head coach at one of the top prep schools in the nation. He has coached multiple NBA players and done a tremendous job helping lead UT San Antonio back to where it belongs, competing for championships in Conference USA. All right, welcome to All Access Coaches Corner from Rising Coaches. We are excited to have special guest today, uh, Associate Head Coach Mike Peck from UTSA. Uh, please take a trip to uh, risingcoaches.com, www.risingcoaches.com uh, for memberships, just $10 a month, very inexpensive to invest in your career, uh, networking, professional development, uh, and all kind of great features to, to offer on Rising Coaches. So I'm going to, before I introduce Coach, I'm going to turn it over to Coach uh, Adam Hood, assistant and, and longtime friend and family of uh, All Access Coaches Corner, and let him intro the intro. So, Coach, Hood, you're up. Awesome. Awesome, man. No, it's a, it's a, again, it's a privilege to be able to work with, with great people. And I know in this profession, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. But, again, I've been blessed to, to work with a lot of great people. And Coach Peck is second to none. I mean, he's awesome. I mean, he's, he's so humble. You never know all the things he's accomplished because he's so humble about it. And he's so down to earth and so approachable. A lot of these guys that have accomplished as much as he has are not approachable. So when he says, you know, reach out to me or, you know, or ask me or, you know, I'm here to be a resource, he actually is all that and more. So, again, take advantage of, of, of guys like that in the business. And, and a guy like him, he's, he's a rarity to, to have done as much as he's done and coached as many great players as he's coached and developed. And, again, I'm just blessed to be able to work alongside him. And go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. 
No, that's good. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Got the got the sunroof too. That's that's good, coach. Ready ready to go for San Antonio Heat. Three hundred three hundred days of sunshine in San Antonio. Days. <laughs> that's a that's a recruiting graphic right there, right? Coach Hood, I got your, I got your, I got your payout for that nice intro. Right <laughs> hey, it'll, it'll be on your desk when you walk in. <laughs> diaper money, diaper money. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I'm, I'll, uh, I'll piggyback Coach uh, Hood and just uh, reiterate the same sentiments. Um, you know, this business <clears throat> is filled with lots of different coaches who all have different decorated journeys and different accomplishments. But uh, for Coach to have accomplished what he has. And to be, I'll talk about the person first, similar to Adam, um, you know, just high character, hardworking, humble, uh, things that come to mind, integrity, character, down to earth, uh, everyday guy, uh, strong convictions about doing things right. Uh, but at the same time, uh, doesn't think of himself as too big, um, even though he's accomplished some big things. So just from a basketball standpoint, uh, as coached at several different levels, um, did a great job at Finley Prep, I want to say five years, Coach, is that right? Yes. Five years, top 10 USA Today, <laughs> I believe seven or eight McDonald's All-Americans, um, along with being a um, college coach at other places other than U UTSA, like UNLV, has also been a head coach in the G League. Um, so just a great amount of wealth. Uh, has coached the number one draft pick. Um, I've coached against him, not only at Lamar, uh, and got to get it, got to steal a win before they really got it going there at UTSA. Um, and then, you know, when I was at UTEP, also got to coach against them as well. Uh, did not necessarily come out on the winning side of that. With, um, but those guys have done just such a great job turning around UTSA. Um, I know they're going to continue to do great things there. Uh, father of two, husband, and just all around um, skilled basketball coach, developer, recruiter, uh, offensive mind. Uh, understands winning and just, again, just about the right things and will help anybody at any point in time. He's been tremendous to me in my career and did, doesn't have to be, you know, and really reached out, even though we were in the same league, really reached out at a time where uh, he didn't have to and was very encouraging to me. So I just say to anyone on this call and anyone that maybe sees this uh, later on on replay, just feel free to reach out and understand he's the type of person that actually wants to help in this business. So all that being said, I'll let Coach say some opening words and then we'll get started. No, you, you don't have to pay me, coach. Don't worry. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate those kind words from both like, both you guys. It means a lot. Um, I, you know, I'm just I'm a coach. I'm a ball coach. It's I'm fortunate and blessed, you know, to 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 be in this position and to be in this profession, doing what we love to do and have a passion for. Um, you know, so much of the what we were able to accomplish in the in the places that we've been is just opportunity. You know. Um, you just when you get an opportunity, uh, now you gotta you gotta produce. But nonetheless, um, so many people are involved in the success that I've been able to experience in this profession. And it's it's not anything that you know I, I've I've been able to do by any means alone. No way, no how. And that's that's just the name of the game. That's the nature of the game. Even if you're a player, you know it, it takes it takes a team to to have ultimate success and to sustain, to sustain it and um you know i've just been fortunate in the people that i've been able to work with work for work around and the players that we've had and uh, and currently have and will continue to have moving forward um it's just it's just a blessing and um you know i'm just a regular guy you know everybody i remember during some of my time at finley guys would be like 
every time they call or email, oh, I don't want to bother you coach. I know you're busy. I know, you know, some days, yeah, we do get busy, but some days it's like, no, I'm not. I'm, you know, I've got a gap here. I can, you know, I've got, you know, one thing that's I think is interesting is we've always done it. You know, when I was with coach Kruger at UNLV and coach Henson and I were there and even here we do it. It's when, when people email us, we, everybody gets those random emails from kids and coaches that want to play. If it's, not addressed specifically to us, we, we might not respond to it, but if it's addressed or it's to one of us coaches, that person or those people, they're getting a response. Coach Henson will sit there and reply to emails. He'll answer his office phone and spend 15 minutes on with somebody that, you know, is, is, is trying to get recruited or, Hey, I know a kid. Can you look at it? Coach Crew was the same way. You know, we used to laugh about it. Sometimes you hear him in the office, coach, who was that? I don't man, I'm not, not sure. Some kid from Reno, you know, he's interested in maybe walking on or something. So, but he spent like five, 10 minutes of his time on there with him. You know, that's just, just the, it's what we're accustomed to. It's what we've done. It's what we'll continue to do. And, um, you know, there are times when we, you know, it might take us a while to get back to you, but if somebody calls or, or writes or emails or whatever, you're going to get a response out of this office. That's just how we do things. Especially if it's, if it's a general though, and you're sending it to 400 coaches or something and it's like, you know, Hey coach or to whom it may concern. Well, that's different. But if it's specifically naming one of us or all of us, it's getting responded to. So that's something that we've always done. And I just know we'll continue to do it because they took time to do that. You know, and, and I feel, you know, we get call or we get emails to all the time. One thing that I do respond to personally is guys that young guys that are in coaching that want to be GAs or looking to get in or get on and want an opportunity or just want some advice. You know, I, I've, I've always taken the time if they specifically send something to me, I respond to them. It's important to me to do that. And I'll continue to do that. And uh, I'll give out my email address. It's uh, mike.peck. P-E-C-K at UTSA.edu. Um, feel free to email me any questions, anything you want, handouts. I'm not going to do a lot of screen sharing with documents here, but I've got a ton. I was going through today and yesterday just getting ready for a little bit for this. And it, it was good for me because I, I found some stuff that was really good that kind of brought back some memories, but was stuff that kind of... Uh, rekindled the fire for me in some areas and uh it was really healthy for me in terms of uh the fall and going into the fall for us so um that being said i i you know i told brian this the other day that i kind of i've always liked you know i could sit up here and and, and go over yeah this is what we do in our half court defense or this is what you know kind of stuff we do offensively or and that's good stuff there's nothing wrong with that but i've always felt that these things you know, you tell us or you tell me what you want to know. You know what I mean? Ask questions. Don't, 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 you know, put it in the chat or whatever you want to do or how you want to do it. I want, I want to give you what you want, what you want to hear, what questions you have. I'd rather this be more of a discussion and, and, and interaction. I like that it's a smaller group because that way guys can ask questions and get their answer, get them answered. Um, but also to talk about some things that are going on in our world and our profession and, and, and talk about the profession and navigating the profession, um, I think is important. And this will be real. You know, one of the things I was part of last year in Minneapolis was the uh, collegiate coaching consortium where they selected about 30 assistant coaches all over the country. And we got together for 
a day and a half with ADs, search firms, agents, different people to talk. And, and they talked about the profession and, and basically, you know, preparing to become a head coach. And it was phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, and one of the search firm guys said, he goes, look, take out your pen and pad. He goes, get ready to write this down because what I'm about to talk to you about for the next 30 minutes, nobody will ever say it to you. They'll never say it to you. It will not be public. It will be, they're not, they're going to, I'm going to tell you things that are real. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be honest and it's going to be real talk and it's not going to be politically correct. It's not going to be stuff that's fluffed and make you feel good. It, it, you know, it, it is, it's, it's the truth of what really and how this really works. So that's what I think you all need to hear. You know, I think there's specific stuff that, that uh, a lot of people say that's just kind of generic, which there's nothing wrong with that, but um, I, I want, I'd like this to be an opportunity for you guys to, to really hear stuff that, uh, that, that that's valuable to you and that you feel you walk away with this getting something good out of it. Yeah, that's awesome coach. And, and that speaks to the character and the everyday guy that we talk about as far as you guys actually responding to emails and then making stuff available. Uh, just kind of piggybacking on where you go. We'll just, we'll, we'll, what you just said, will flow right into what would be your advice for your younger self uh, starting over? Obviously you've already accomplished a lot of uh, great things in your career that, that many would wish to, and even sitting in an associate head coaching chair, one seat away from a head coaching chair, I believe personally, selfishly and biasly that you're going to be a head coach, a division one, but what, what advice would you give yourself kind of if you had to start over again? Well, my dumbass, I would say, take that GA spot at MSU in 93 when your coach that you played for asked you if you'd be interested in doing that right before Izzo and those guys got it going. Um, but <laughs> no, all kidding aside, you know, there, there are opportunities that, that came across my way that, that, you know, just timing wise weren't right that I just, you know, and at that time getting out of college, I was burnt out. You know, I, uh, um, you know, I was, I went to a business school. We were on, terms so there were three terms it wasn't semesters like so and it was business it was accounting economics economics was my major so there was when you had an exam or something to do you turned around right the next day and you were on it again there was no gap like usually in semesters you have something and then you have one or two of those class periods where you can kind of catch your breath and not in the turn so for four years I was doing that I was just spent I mean I was just burnt out of school and when he said that I was like masters oh my gosh it's gonna be harder than my BA uh, I'm not interested in going to school I'm, not, I'm done I'm gonna go do what I'm supposed to do I think get a job with my degree I was a pretty good student so I passed on that but you know I just didn't I didn't know and, and and I don't regret it one thing I will say I have not regretted any decisions in terms of my path that that I've made um, because obviously you know, every decision that I made put me here where I'm at, where I believe and I feel I'm supposed to be and where I love it. And, um, you know, so one thing I will say is, and a lot of you already have it, what's your, who's your, who's in your circle? You know, I'm a low key guy. I don't have, you know, I always joke about this. I, I don't, people always say in our profession, my guy, oh, that's my guy. That's my, look, I don't have any guys. I got, I got three. And none of them are in this profession. One's my brother-in-law, one's a college teammate, and one was a high school teammate of mine. We're on a tech string. We sound like we're about 13 years old and some of the stuff we exchange, but that's what we do. And, uh, but those are my guys, 
you know, in this profession, I have people that I'm close to, obviously good friends, but, you know, I, I just don't use that, you know? And so like when, when you have opportunities that come up in your profession, who's your first call? I got two calls. First one, obviously is my wife. That's a no brainer. You know, I'm interested in, I love her to death and I'm interested in staying married. So that's gotta be my first call. My second call is my mentor, the guy I played for and worked for, for um, five years after, after uh, uh, when I got into the profession. And then after that, there might be some other calls depending on the situation and, and what opportunity is in front of me. But um, those, those are the two I make. And, you know, I think it's important that you guys have that. And some guys might have four or five that they make. That's all right. But you got to identify who that is. Um, one, you want confidentiality, but you also want people that really care about you and, and that can give you good, sound, solid perspective on whatever that opportunity is that you're looking at and considering. And, um, you know, give you another set of eyes and another set of ears for it. And, um, I think that's important. So, you know, you, you've, you've, you've got to, that's, that's the big thing is who, who's in your corner, who's in your circle that you can, um, that you can count on to help you and help you navigate the profession. No, great, great, uh, great answer. Great insight coach. The, the part about that you talked about is so true is who is really invested in you, right? Because you can have conversations and you can feel like somebody's close to you, but if they don't really know you and if they're not truly invested in you, um, it's really hard to, for them to give you advice that may actually really help you. So I, I appreciate you saying that. And um, yep. that, that was an awesome, awesome perspective. Tell us a little bit, coach, if you had to say, um, just kind of, so you've had a lot of success and you've been a head coach in with pros. You've been a head coach with guys that will eventually be pros, but high level guys. Um, this one's kind of just my own field question, but, what would you say attributed you to being comfortable in those settings? And then also what would you say was the factors that allowed you to be successful in leading it? Not just at regular success level, but top 10 success. And again, being uh, named the G league head coach is not something everybody gets the opportunity to do. So what would you say if you had to say, you know, I think, I think players, you know, players are, are smart and they have great sense, a, sense, a great sense of, and a great awareness um, of, of people that they deal with in terms of when it comes to basketball and in terms of coaching. So number one, if they can sense, feel, see, hear, smell your passion, they have an appreciation for that, you know, so they're going to, you know, they're they're going to have a certain level of respect right out of the gate when they sense that from you. Mm -hmm. um, then aside from that is your level of knowledge. You know, like I always, when you're, you, you better, you know, John, John Wooden, you know, learn your craft, you know, be able to teach the game because if you, you know, when, when you're out there in between the lines and, you know, you're an assistant or whatever, and you give, you know, you, your head coach gives you an opportunity, a four minute segment to do something. You better know what you're talking about. You better be able to put your guys in whatever drill or, or, or get them organized and, and be able to tell them. Cause if, and not, and if they have a question, you better be on it. You better not be stumbling because they can sense that and they know that, and you will lose credibility if you don't. And so that's, that's how you build it. You know, the thing, I think guys sense that with me is, you know, I had a passion for it. You know, one, you know, 
and two, I felt that I really spent time learning the game during my time as a division two assistant and just, uh, you know, just immersing myself in it. You know, it's, it's a shame because I look around now and I think who I learned so much from obviously was my mentor who I played for, but he was a little bit of a disciple from, you know, Don Meyer, the late Don Meyer who who was passed and and Meyer was a golly, he had his academies and he had clinics. And so, I mean, I just, that was just basketball heaven. I mean, you could learn so much from him and, and I did, and I was fortunate. I took advantage of it. So I think, you know, knowing what you're talking about and, um, you know, having a passion for it and then, you know, being able to execute it, you know, and, and communication, you know, with those guys, you know, how, how you say it, you know, it's, you know, I think Kevin Eastman, had, I heard him say once you got seven seconds, you got a seven such seven second teaching. If you're going to stop them in practice, to teach them or to coach them, you got seven seconds to make your point. Cause after that, you're going to lose them, you know? So you got seven seconds to get across. So that's why you got to be, you got to be efficient with your terminology and your phrasing and how you say it, but in a way that they understand it, you know? Um, and, and, and that's on you to figure out. So that takes in a relationship. You got to have relationships with guys. You got to invest in them, invest time with them, whether it's rebounding for them and doing stuff with them and watching film with them, texting them, calling them, grabbing a bite to eat you know, with them, that's what our job is. And, and that's what you got to do. And, you know, that, that builds and gives you credibility because that's what you want is credibility. Now I was fortunate one at UNLV, you know, one of the guys that spent a ton of time with, he just wore me out in terms of on the floor workouts and wanting film was Joel Anthony and, you know, went and played for the Miami heat and made a lot of money. I think he did 10, I think he had 10 years in the league and won a championship with the heat and they loved him. And so that was my first real pro, I guess you could say in, in terms of that level. And, um, you know, just, he was great. And what that does is that builds your credibility, you know, and then obviously going over to Finley and having that success that we had and those guys, now you've got instant credibility with the next group. You know, it's easy to coach after Tristan Thompson and Corey Joseph and Avery Bradley leave when you went 33 and oh, the next guy comes in and he looks at you sideways and rolls your eyes and say, oh, okay. All of a sudden it doesn't work. Well, it worked for those three guys and they were, you know, first round draft picks. Then they gets their attention. So, you know, that, that helped that, you know, you got to build up the credibility, but you got to have a passion for it and they got to be able to sense it. And it's got to be genuine and it's got to be real. Yeah. Credibility, consistency probably goes to that credibility of what you're talking about. I think that's yeah. definitely something and um, and just kind of last kind of freestyle question coach but I think there's a perception right there's a perception that if you have pros or if you coach pros that you almost have to be this certain type of coach or this certain way that maybe is looked at as cool or perceived at as like oh man that guy's so cool but and not that you're not cool coach but that wasn't the reason why you had success and so I guess if you can speak to kind of uh, the outside perception myth, it even happens in college basketball too, right? People that don't coach college basketball, they see the NCAA tournaments, they see the sports center highlights, they see the suits, they see the, the transactions that happen in the off season. They don't understand. There's something that's really simple about coaching really good players. Like you said, discipline, consistency, knowing what you're talking about. So I guess to kind of add to the question you already answered, 
what would you say to that and how you were able to have a real comfort level in your own skin, but yet still have those relationships, but it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be so for show. It doesn't have to be so uh, what is perceived to be so cool. It just matters the quality of it. So if you don't mind, talk to that a little bit. Yeah, I think a great question. I think number one, like I've always said, you got to be authentic. You got to be you. You got to be who you are. You know, you can't try to be, you know, you can take ideas and tweak them, but you've got to, the, the delivery and the execution of it has got to be you. It's got to fit your personality and, 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 you know, the way you communicate it and get it across. It's got to be, it's got to be you. So that's number one. And then the other thing is, I think you, what are, I always say, what are your non-negotiables? What are, what are things that, you know, my guys at Finley always used to know, they two things that weren't up for debate that we were going to discuss or negotiate at all is conditioning and defending those two things you, you know, don't bring to the table. Don't say, well, coach can maybe, no, no. If this was the plan from a conditioning standpoint, don't, they knew not to even go there. And then you're going to guard, you're going to guard or you're not going to play. You know, we would do shell every day. There were days when it's like, especially early in the season in the fall would we'd scrap the practice plan and we'd spend, you know, easily, an hour just in shell because it it needed to look the way I wanted it to look and it and if they didn't then we were going to do it until we did and that meant if we scrapped you know some offensive stuff or some scrimmage stuff at the end so be it we're not moving on until we get this right and they knew that so you know again though that list of non-negotiables I don't think you can have I always say in my opinion I think it can be like four things max you know, three is probably more ideal. If you have anything more than that, then it's kind of like, oh my gosh, every single thing you got, you got too much. Now you're losing them, you know, and I just don't think that's realistic. So, and then you got to stand firm in those and they've got to know that And, and it doesn't become, it, it, it won't, you won't be in a tough spot if you are truly passionate about those things. And then you need to be an expert in those things as well. You know what I mean? You've, you've got to be able to execute those things and you got to know what it is you're doing, why you're doing it. And, um, and, and they've got to sense that from you and, and that, 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 you know, they'll, they'll respect that. And, you know, and then you got to hold them accountable. That's the other thing that can be tricky, especially with, you know, younger guys, sometimes it's accountability is something that they don't want to deal with. And they, you know, for example, in my five years at Finley, there's, and I think about it probably once a week, there's one specific instant where in all those years that I go back and I do look at and I say, if I could go back, I would do it different. There was an incident with a kid. He was a McDonald's All-American. It was, he, he did something that was just, you know, he's kind of defiant in a game almost. And, and um, I just, we, we won the game and the next game was a big game. It was a national game. We were playing Dorian Finney-Smith out in, Virginia and I was like we gotta have him we can't but in hindsight I should have benched him and switched the lineup up a little bit and we would have been a better team I'm convinced we would have better been a better team that year and that was our worst year at 28-4 and we got eliminated the first round of the national deal and I always look back and I say had I done that I I I believe in my heart of hearts we'd have been better that year and I just you know, I just felt like, ah, oh, we just, we couldn't because he was, he was our McDonald's All-American that year. And so I compromised and and I, sh- I shouldn't have, but I did. And, 
and that's the one that's the one and the only time during my time there that I that I did that and uh, and I regretted it so stand firm in in, in what you're you know you got to state what they are you guys got to know it and you got to stand firm in it and you can't you can't you can't waver you can't waver um, that's that's the important thing Awesome, Coach. Awesome. We'll, we'll get to even more good stuff about your career, but let's talk about your family real quick. Let's shift gears. Uh, kind of go maybe three-part question, but uh, feel free to just run with it. So the quarantine's obviously changed all of our lives, so tell us something you've learned or something you've experienced with your family, and then tell us about your family in general, and then from there, just kind of tell us your background in coaching and how you kind of – your stops along the way and how you've kind of gotten to where you are. Yep. First off, I want to start by saying this. Write this down. Some of you guys, younger guys, won't know this. Steve Hartman works for CBS, I believe, and he does a segment. He's done it for a long time called On the Road. Basically, young guys won't know this. He used to go with producers and he'd drive, he'd fly somewhere in America and, you know, different states. And let's say he's in Iowa and he'd drive to this country city or whatever and he'd stop and had a phone booth and he'd take the, the the phone book which is like they're usually like that thick and he'd just close his eyes and he'd pick a spot in the phone book in the middle of it and then he'd close his eyes and he'd point and he'd point to somebody's name and he'd get that phone number he'd call that person he'd call him and say hey i'm steve hartman with cbs on the road i'd like to come over and, and talk to you if you don't mind oh yeah okay so he'd come over and basically that was his story he would he would put together a, a report and they would air that weekly and basically his point was everybody's got a story. If you dug it, he would ask them questions and find out, Oh my gosh, this, this guy's grandpa was a world war hero or, you know, invented something or did, you know, and then you take off with it. But it, it, the point was doesn't matter where it doesn't matter, everybody's got a story. And so, you know, I, I say that because, I, you know, I'm going to get into a little bit about me that, that uh, I don't think many, many people don't know close people close to me know but uh they don't know i'm married uh been married we'll be married 24 years this october to my wife terry um two children uh, a daughter and a son our daughter's 21 and our son is 11 and there's a big gap there and the reason is is our daughter is a special needs child she is 100 dependent on adult care wheelchair bound nonverbal. Um, cannot do anything for herself. She, um, you know, as far as feeding, she's still in diapers. Um, she's about the size of, if you looked at her, she's probably, you'd say, she, oh, she looks like she's maybe seven or eight in terms of her size. She has a mature look about her, but um, she's, she laughs and, and, you know, she'll cry, but uh, she's nonverbal. She's never going to tell you, hey, I'm thirsty. So, you you know, we, we, we developed a feel uh, to, 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 to give her stuff. She does take stuff by mouth soft foods, pureed foods, and she's got a feeding tube. Um, so she's got a whole host of health issues, which she's gotten so much better as she's gotten older. But um, it's a it's a chromosome anomaly called 18Q minus. It's a genetic thing. Uh, it was it was a fluke. Uh, my wife and I both tested. It was just a it was a it was an act of God and she was a blessing sent to us. And um, that's kind of the way we've looked at it. She's, you know, one thing my wife has always said that that I think so awesome is you know in her 21 years of life she's never spoken a word but has impacted more lives than i ever will and um she's taught taught us lessons about 
life and, and patience and uh, um, so many more things that I that she teaches us that we can't teach her. So she's been a blessing to us and she's an angel. And uh, our son is 11. He's the other side of the spectrum. He's all over the charts. Um, he's loud. And he just, he's, he's funny. He's a goofball, but he's funny. He's, he's a hooper and uh, plays a little football too. So he's a decent little athlete, but um, that's our story. We're low key. My wife uh, is, is very good in her career. She's the, um, she was the director of marketing, and then she got bumped up to the station manager at the Fox News affiliate in Vegas. And um, so she's done really well for herself and has a great, great job. And she's really sharp. And um, I married up for sure. So that was that was the sign of my ability to recruit. Um, but anyway, that's that's my family. And um, they're in Vegas. They live in Vegas still. Never moved away from there. So I'm kind of get back as much as I can, uh, which is great. I recruit that area. Thank goodness. It's a, it's got talent there. And Coach Henson's great about letting me get back when I need to, but, uh, it's hard. It's not ideal. We don't want to do it this way forever. Hopefully, you know, we won't have to, we don't think we will, but, uh, for now we, uh, we, 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 uh, we make do and figure it out. So, um, as far as basketball, I got started third grade and third grade. I'll never forget. I went and watched my cousin, he was four years older than me. He had a seventh grade game. And when I left that night, it was it. He was good. He was a really good player. Um, he actually was finished just shy of uh, – he, uh, he could have beat Magic Johnson's uh, scoring number for uh, scoring points scored in high school in the state of Michigan. Um, he ended up with 1,986 points, I think. I think Magic was just over 2,000, so he was basically his average his senior year away. But after I watched him in seventh grade, that was it for me. And he hit some shots. Crowd went, you know, crowd. I say crowd, you know, there's probably 50 people, but it was loud. And I just, I, was, I loved it. That was it for me. So I got home, and I was like, yeah, my dad put a hoop up that probably the next four days. And I remember getting home from school, and the hoop was up. Took my first shot in the driveway, air ball. And the rest is history. No. So... Anyway, small town. I grew up in Gaylord, Michigan, uh, small high school, uh, went on, played Division II basketball at Northwood University with an academic All-American there. Um, knew I wasn't going to be a pro, um, so I did what I thought you're supposed to do. Midwest, blue-collar family, get your degree, get a job. So I went to the business world and did that for just a little over a year, year and a half. Hated my life. Hated it just was like looking at the clock going, you gotta be kidding me. I don't care if you name me CEO and pay me a million dollars a year. I'm not doing this for 40 years, the next 40, 50 years of my life. I'm not. So I made a couple calls and I said, I got to get back. Went back to the league I played in to um, Saginaw Valley State University. It was a non-paid, non, saying this to make a point, non-paid GA position um, to get my master's. Did that for a year, fortunately jumped on as an assistant back at my alma mater, which is in the same league. Um, and I made $16,000 as a full-time assistant at my alma mater at Northwood. And then um, the following year, guy I played for took the head job at Saginaw Valley State where I got my GA. So I jumped back with him and I got a massive raise as a full-time assistant. Went from 16,000 to 16,500. Um, 
I had my master's, finished my master's. So I was able to teach a couple courses in the education department to make, you know, a little bit here and more. Got, got close, got close to 20. So I was living the dream, living the dream. Um, and then from there, six years, basically at the division two level as an assistant, I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be a D2 guy the rest of my life. I wanted to, I wanted to move on and go to a division one level and, uh, opportunity came up. Fortunately, the guy I worked for and played for was good friends with John Hammonds, who was the director of personnel at, um, the Pistons at the time, who's now the GM for the, uh, magic, um, he they used to because my coach used to be an assistant at Tennessee and John was an assistant for Charlie Spoonhour at Southwest Missouri State so they always crossed paths in the recruiting road they built relationships so we used to go down and see John and those guys work out in the spring long story short call Charlie see if there's anything boom my wife had an opportunity at Port in Portland or Vegas Vegas was the better opportunity for our family she took that we came I wore out uh, Jay Spoonauer just calling him, telling him, you know, hey, is there anything, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm just planning on being in any practices or workouts, whatever. Well, it just so happens Derek Thomas, the assistant there, takes the Western Illinois job and takes their video coordinator with them. Boom. I jump in. I get, Jay says, yes, let's do it. First, here's, how, here's, what, here's what prompted Jay's call back to me. So I drive, I'm in Vegas. We moved to Vegas. We're living in temporary housing. I drive out to Boulder City to a place that sells mannequins and stuff. So I asked the guy, I called ahead of time. I said, I want a right arm, just the right arm of a mannequin. So I went and picked it up. He laughed, he like, what are you gonna do? And I told him, he laughed, oh my God, that's awesome. So I took it, got a box, put a note in there, said, Coach Punar, I'm willing to give you my right arm for a spot in your staff. I boxed that sucker up, sent it to him. He got it, laughed, gave it to Jay, said, call him. So Jay calls me. We go, I go in and talk, long story short, boom, opportunity was there, a video spot. Now, now you're thinking, oh man, this guy's D1 at UNLV, he's making bank. $3,700 my first year. I'm married, I have a kid, that's what I made. Um, do that for three years. Charlie steps down mid-year that year. Um, Jay takes over as the interim. Fortunately, Coach Kruger comes in, retains me, makes the position actually a little bit better. Um, so I, you know, I, it was a lot better than that. But it wasn't still wasn't anything that you know was was great. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I I'd always told Coach Kruger, who was great, and I said, "Look, I'm a coach doing the video stuff, and I don't mind, but I'm not a video guy trying to be a coach." And so he always respected that. Uh, put me on the floor as much as he could and put me in all, had me in all the meetings and I was involved in all facets of it. So it was great for me. But after about three years, I told him, I said, coach, if you hear of anything that out there that you think might be a good fit opportunity for me, I'd appreciate it. If you help me, you know, I'm just ready to get out of this role. And so it was like, yep. All right. And that's when Finley prep came up, boom, jumped over, did that. It was like lightning in a bottle, had success pretty fast, pretty quick. Um, took off. It was a great, great time there. Um, had a lot of fun. There's a lot of work. Wasn't as easy as just playing games on TV and winning. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into that. Uh, but it was, it was fun. And then, then the next thing, you know, Portland Trailblazers call and, um, they used to call every spring just to ask 
get their intel on the draft. So they would call about kids that not just we had, but kids that we played against. And when I was working the NBA top 100 camp or working in, you know, the Nike skills academies, I'd see those kids and spend time with them and coach them and stuff. So they would ask questions about them. So we had developed a little bit of a relationship there over the past few years. And so they called and, uh, the summer league and spent, uh, watched the summer league game with them because they asked if I was going to be there. I said, yep. And, um, and, uh, you know, he asked, said, I'll come over and talk. Where are you at? I go, Thomas Mack, I'm watching Jorge Gutierrez play and sat down with me for about two hours. And we just talked and, he was kind of, you know, he's kind of feeling me out, asking me some questions from a career standpoint. And, okay. So I answered, you know, we talked and that was it. And that was in July of 2012. Summer goes by, we're ready. School starts at Finley and it's September and they call again and they're going to have a D-League team in, in, in Boise, Idaho. And they're like, you know, when they call, they said, I don't know if I'd be interested. I'm like, so then it was just fast from when they called to ask that the next day I was on a Skype interview with the whole front office and coach Stotts and you name it. It was like, Whoa. Okay. So that lasted about 45 minutes. Four hours later, Neil O'Shea, the GM calls me and offers me the job, tells me he's got to know by tomorrow at 7am. Like, okay, let me go home and talk to my wife, which I'd already talked to her about it. I mean, I was gonna, I knew I was taking that thing. You know, at Finley, I was at that point where I was ready to, for that next challenge, that next thing, you know, and um, for a guy like me, I didn't have ties to the league, didn't play in the league, didn't do any scouting, nothing in the league. Here's an opportunity for me to get in there. I'm doing it. So sure enough, I did it. Great two years, phenomenal experience with Portland. And then obviously coaching the Stampede, learned a ton and really liked it. Got away for two years from the recruiting chasing guys going to class and the academics and the parents and the AAU and all that, the handlers and the mentors. And it was just a great, you could just do ball practice games, film. Boom. Awesome. And I got to spend the whole month or whole preseason with Portland traveling with them and on the practice floor with them up in Portland each year and summer league. It was phenomenal. So that was great. And then two years they decided they weren't going to do, um, they weren't going to have a, 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 a G league affiliate team. And so that ended that, um, I sat out for a year figuring out, do I want to keep going the NBA route, keep pursuing that, or maybe, just, you know, get back to stay with college. I learned a lot in that time with Portland, you know, um, it was great, but it's different. Coaching there is different. And I just felt more comfortable and accustomed to the college side of it and the cycles of the work in the seasons and all that stuff. And I said, that's, that's probably where I'm a better fit. And, and so that's what I, in that year I went around and visited schools and spent some time at colleges and um, just watched practices and talked to coaches and staffs and stuff and just kind of did that thing and did one thing that I thought I would never in a million years do coach AAU basketball. I get a call in the late or early spring of 2015 from Anthony Brown, the Las Vegas prospects asks me, let's meet, let's meet for lunch and breakfast. All right. I'm thinking there's no way, there's no way. So we spent about two hours talking about it. We're going EYBL, you know, you can do it. You know, and I'm like, okay. He told me, you know, we're going to have a pretty good team. We had 
Troy Brown, Marcus Howard, and Charles LePan, you know, building around that group. And I'm like, okay, that's high level talent. I'll be, you know, I'll get back on the floor and it, it gets me visible back out in the game. So I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. It was fine. It, you know, what sucks is you don't get any practice time. You know, you might have three guys at practice or something and you, can, you just can't. So your games, you're, you're trying stuff in games that you should be doing in practice. But nonetheless, we qualified for Peach Jam in the first year. It was great. A success. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had fun because I was back in the game. And then um, uh, after that, I got late in that summer, Santa Clara. Uh, Kerry Keating called and uh, went up there and checked that out and it was getting late. So I said, I need to just get back in. I don't want to be two years out. So I jumped in kind of knowing that was going to be a one and done year. Just, I just kind of had a feeling based on their track record and how they'd been doing the past couple of years. And then the new AD Renee Baumgartner came in and I was like, Ooh, yeah, I can see the writing on the wall, but I just wanted to get in there. And I did. And then sure enough, coach Henson and I have kept in touch ever since our time at UNLV and he called that spring and he was, that was when they went to the final four with buddy and he was had opportunities and I was like, yeah, just let me know. Sure enough. Long story short, UTSA pops. He goes, what do you want to do? And I said, we talked to Terry about it. And I knew I was going to do it. It was coach Henson. So in a split second, I was like, yep, I'm in great. So here we are five years later, starting year five and uh, couldn't be more, fortunate and blessed to be with this group that I'm with doing what we love to do. Yeah. What a, what an awesome story. Thanks for breaking all that down and sharing so much coach. Um, and just, uh, sharing about your family too. I know most people probably don't know that and appreciate you opening up to do that too. That was awesome. Um, yeah, yeah so much stuff I could probably piggyback on, but I'll save it. We'll go straight to UTSA and then we open up for uh, audience questions. We'll, I'll, I'll fill a few in, uh, fill in the gaps. some. but, uh, tell us about, UTSA. Okay, so you make this ride. You've kind of been to UNLV. You've been some different places, Santa Clara. You've been to G League. Um, tell us about UTSA and what makes it a special uh, basketball situation for you guys. Well, number one, you know, I think it's genuinely there's good people. There's great people here in the administration and the, and the other staffs, and it's you know it's very high character, people with integrity, very down to earth people. He's very approachable, not, not, no egos, no smugness. It's just, you know, that makes the environment and the culture here just so great. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's the seventh largest city in the U.S. So it's a great area, great spot, love it here, great weather. Um, it's growing, um, you know, campus is 30, you know, we have 30,000 students, over 30,000 students here. Um, you would by walking campus though, you wouldn't feel that because you can go from one end to the other in probably a five to six, seven minute walk. It's not like 20 minutes. Oh, I got to get over here to the east side. I can't know. That's not like that. Um, so that, that makes it, gives it a smaller feel, which is nice. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's, it's great. We're, we're, they're building a $40 million, um, race building, uh, roadrunner academic center, athletic center for excellence. Um, and it's, they broke ground on it, right? Trucks are up there pouring cement and digging and doing all that stuff right now as we speak. So that's pretty exciting. That's got about a 14 month window before they're done. And, um, that's going to be phenomenal for us. You know, we'll, we'll it'll help us with office spaces and practice facility for us and locker room and all that stuff. So it's, it's much needed and long overdue and, uh, you know, football benefits from it. And like, 
when football does well and benefits, we all do well and benefit. So that's that's the that football is a cash cow, and we, we need that to do to take off and do well. And um, the more success they have, the better off we're going to be. So. Yeah, great place to be. Uh, one, probably most coaches' favorite place for Final Fours, too, or one of them at least, because it's such, yeah. a, such, such a great city. Um, yep. love, love San Antonio. Uh, tell us about Coach Henson. Obviously, you go back with him all the way to UNLV, have known each other for a long time, and uh, Coach Henson's one of the, another one of the stand-up phenomenal human beings in the business. Uh, yeah. Obviously, was a really good player himself uh, in the NBA, <clears throat> but would love to know – <clears throat> as a coach, you know, I've, I've seen it firsthand um, as an opponent, but tell people that don't know Coach Henson three things that make him great as a head coach. One, this isn't one of the three, but one is he just X's and O's is like, so I, you know, him and Coach Kruger, you know, I remember being there, you know, being, it's like, sometimes I'd be like, okay, they're talking so fast and they know what they're doing because they'd spend so much time together, but kind of, it, you can get intimidated, feel like, golly, man, I don't know what they're saying. I, don't, I can't, I can't follow them. And then I go to the, the, the G League and do that for two years. And I'm like, okay, so I'm coming back thinking, yeah, okay, I'm gonna be able to hang with these guys a little bit. In terms of <laughs> so I go watch them practice uh, when they were playing at the MGM in Oklahoma. And they're talking a little bit on the court afterwards and stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm gonna be able to hang with these guys in terms of understanding and knowing and stuff. It wasn't two minutes, and I'm like, golly, you gotta be kidding me. So it's the technical part in X's no is just off the charts. I mean, almost like a savant. Um, and so that is is huge. But the big thing, secure, humble, and integrity. He's he's not arrogant, has no ego, but he's so secure. Here's a guy who played in the NBA at six foot. You know what I mean? And but he's so secure, but he's not arrogant about it. Two, he's, he's so humble. He, you, if you walked in, you would never know that, you know, yeah, I played in the NBA, and, you know, played overseas, and he never, you know, I mean, he's, he's a legend. He's a Kansas State Hall of Fame. I mean, so very humble, very down-to-earth humble, and integrity. He's, we are going to do the right thing. Famous, favorite quote, says it to Hood all the time. Got to have rules in society. Got to have rules in society. We're going to follow the rules. He's, uh, you know, we have compliance staff meetings here. We sign off on stuff, you know, uh, for head coach accountability. And, you know, we're going to do things by the book. We're not bending. We're not twisting. We're not cutting corners. It's going to be by, and, it, and you know what? That's, that's the right way. That's, you know, for us, it's the right way. And that's the way we're going to do it. And that's, you know, he's a Midwest guy. I'm a Midwest guy. I think those values were similar in a lot of ways in our thinking and our approach on things. And we're just going to do what's right. And that's, those are the, that's why I'm so fortunate. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. He, <clears throat> he embodies that. He walks that he is that. Um, I love the Martin Luther King quote. The time is always right to do what's right. And I think that's a hundred percent what you guys are about. I love it. So, um, yeah, tell, tell us about a little bit about the staff, um, and then I'll give you two of them, and I'll get you the last two, but what's one thing you love about you guys offensively and defensively, and then tell us about the staff, too, in any order you want. Offensively, I think one of the things that's great, and, you know, Coach Henson having played for Coach Kruger and 
been with him for so long. It's just, you know, he's kind of osmosis. You, you know, you just take on that type of uh, thinking and, and that approach. And one thing that they've always done that's just phenomenal is adjusting to your personnel. Instead of saying, this is what we do or run, here's what I like or we like and making your players do that, even though you might not have guys that can do that, he always tweaks it and adjusts. Like, for example, the year we took over when we had it, we had a 6'4 undersized post player that was like an ISO guy that wasn't athletic, Jeff Beverly. Jeff Beverly. He's the one that could score. So we ran stuff at the pro post spot, you know, the mid post off the lane line for him. You know what? We're not running anything right now the last three years that we did that first year because it wouldn't have matched. It wouldn't have, it didn't fit our personnel. They wouldn't have been able to do it. They wouldn't have been successful. So that's what he, he always tweaks, you know, what based on who we have and what they can do and playing to the strengths of each of the players. So that's offensively what has been great for, for me. Um, defensively, just philosophically, again, a lot, like in a lot of ways, is I love the fact that he's a man guy to be mm. man to man. You know what I mean? It's, you know, there's more, more of how he sees and wants to play man defense is more how I see it and philosophically it matches. So that just makes it so much better because there's no conflict internally that I have with stuff. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and he, and he listens, you know, you, you got suggestions and he'll ask and he, he listens and he takes your input and, you know, and, and sometimes like today he came in and said, Hey, uh, for individuals, you got, you got the defensive, uh, and come up with a drill, whatever, I don't, whatever you want and just run with it. So that's, that's, that's what, that's what's great. And that's yeah. what I love. Um, as far as our staff, um, Coach Thompson, Scott Thompson, he came with uh, Coach Henson from Oklahoma. Scott was the video guy at Oklahoma. Um, Scott's a uh, hard worker, big time values and faith. You know, he's all about family and faith. Um, you know, he, he, could, he could sit there and he could talk you in circles uh, on scripture. And to me, that's well, some of it's intimidating, but some of it's admirable. I, I, I kind of envy that because I'm not as versed as well versed as he is in scripture. And, um, and that's something that, 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 that is appealing to me. Um, but he's just gonna, you know, if you really needed something genuinely and sincerely, you could go to him and count on him. Um, so that's, that's huge to have on staff hood as you know coach hood he's an academy guy you know he he's like family because his brother played for me antoine his older brother played for me in the d-league so that's kind of how that connection happened and um you know it's he's an extension of antoine and it was it was easy and it was comfortable and an academy guy you know he's got he, he gets it you know and he's high character and good person and works and smart um, so it was, to me, it's like one of those, it's kind of just like a no brainer, um, for us, uh, coach Lester is our ops guy. He, he was here with Brooks Thompson, um, when we took over and he, we, you know, coach retained him and kept him and he's been great. He's been fun. He's loyal and he's very, like I say, 
he's easy and comfortable to have conversation with and to hang out with. Yep. He, can, he, he can do it all with him. He, and he can speak very freely. He's not a guy that's going to get offended. He's not a guy that you got to be on eggshells around. He's going to speak up and he fights for us on campus for stuff. You know, we're kind of, a lot of us are kind of like, yeah, we don't want to ruffle any feathers or stuff, but he's the guy that will do that. And, and I've always said this, if it weren't for loss, there's some stuff that wouldn't get done for us because mm -hmm. he pushes and pulls and, 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 and prods people. Cale um, Brewbaker's our video coordinator, hard worker, um, receptive to work, never, hey, Cale, can we do that? You know, we might throw four things at him at a meeting. He never kind of goes, he never pauses. He goes, yep, 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 nope, no problem, yep, yep. He never hesitates. So, and he's smart, works hard and smart. Pretty good, pretty good combination there for him. Um, and then Taylor Luster is Coach Luster's son. He's our GA. He's, he's, he took after his mom. I always tease him because, and I go, that's a good thing. He's calm. He's got good poise. And what I love about him from my standpoint is he played college basketball, Division II, on the court. Hey, Taylor, you're going to set a pin down or you're going to, you know, I'm going to throw it to you on the wing. You feed the post. He can execute basketball things. To me, that's important. I like guys. If they're going to work with me on my end, when we do the guards, I need a guy that can pass. I need a guy that understands, hey, set a flare. Instead, you know, no disrespect. Managers work hard, but there's some that just, they don't, they don't, they don't have that feel and they don't understand because they haven't played. And that's not a problem, but it just, requires more time for me to teach them and coach them in addition to our players. So Taylor just, he knows he picks it up and he can do it. So he's been great in that regard. That's good. It's no, no wonder why you guys have the success you've had because you have such quality talented guys. And then you guys have just a, a great chemistry. You pretty much had the same staff for five years, correct? Yep. Yep. No, everybody stayed. Yep. So an enormous amount of chemistry and, I know Taylor's probably the only one that's recent, but um, yep. he's he's coaching there with his dad, so I think he probably fit in pretty well, pretty easily. Um, yep. But no, great, great staff. It makes sense why you guys have had a success. Uh, tell us two more things that you love, and then I have a bonus one for you. Two things that you love about how you guys do in recruiting, yep. uh, which I've also seen firsthand the, the talent that you guys have brought in, so um, it's no no shortage there, and it's not a place that probably people saw uh, from a perception standpoint in recruiting, they probably didn't see UTSA as a destination, but you guys have made it a place that's become really cool for high level players, not just, Oh, that guy's good enough to play at UTSA. It's like that guy's not good enough to play at UTSA. They have, they have guys that are, you know, I think you have the combined highest scoring backcourt in the country to the yep. two guys that average 20 a game um, yep. and have acquired some, some more talent on top of that for this next year. So, um, recruiting and then secondly in your culture was something that you love recruiting wise I think what we do is we we kind of refer to it as gang recruiting so a lot of times you know there's a point person so I'll be recruiting certain guys and I'll probably know more about those guys but we all know you know about all the guys and so we'll you know it's, it'd be nothing if coach Thompson comes to me and says hey he, he's on FaceTime with a kid and he hands the phone to me and I end up talking to the kid for 15 minutes, you know, so we'll gang recruit. We'll all recruit because it's important when they get here that we all have a certain level. You know, I might have a deeper, a more longer relationship with a guy, but 
you know, when he sees Coach Hood and Coach Thompson, he's not going to be like, okay, who are these guys? He's he's talked to them through the recruiting process and on the visit, and he spent time. And so there's a familiarity with all of us, and I think that's really important. And, you know, like I said, there's going to be a point guy just because of the nature of that's how it works. But we all try to jump in and recruit everybody, and we try to get to know each recruit and their parents just because it's just important. You know, when we talk about family. You know, if everybody talks, oh, it's family, it's family. Well, then you better know. I mean, you know your brothers, you know your sisters, you know your mom, you know your dad, right? Well, if you're going to say family, then you better know. And that's why that's why we do it that way. And I think it's it appeals to people. Some people don't really care, which that's fine. But for us, it works. And that's just how we approach it. Um, and then culturally, kind of to extend with that, we do what we call, we have small groups. We've done it ever since, you know, we were at UNLV with Coach Kruger each coach has about three or four guys that they are assigned, so to speak. And what you're supposed to, you, you kind of keep up with those guys academically and you spend time with those guys, you know, off the floor and stuff. You know, you, you, we usually meet on Sundays with them and, you know, we address the whole team and then hey, get with your small groups, go over your plan the week academically. What are you doing? Here's practice, whatever. And then just, you know, like I, I'll grab a guy, say, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You know, okay. I'm going to pick you up at seven at the dorms. I'll grab you. We'll go get dinner. So I'll take them off campus and we'll grab something to eat just to, Hey, how, what's going on back at home? How are your folks doing? You know, just that's, we just do that, you know, and that's not, we haven't reinvented the wheel there. I think a lot of people do that, but for us, that's important. I mean, we've got to, got to get to know your guys and they got to know that you care about them outside of just, just basketball and, um, you know, invest in that relationship because they're going to be with us for four years. Um, hopefully. And, and, you know, that's, and the other thing uh, that we do is we make sure we, that in our small groups, we call or write to our, to their parents regularly. You know, it might not be every single week, but every couple weeks, you know, we're reaching out and texting or calling saying, Hey, just, just want to let you know, everything's going good. He's doing well. Yeah. Classes seem to be going well. Practices and getting ready for, you know, start conditioning or whatever. He's doing fine. Just wanted to let you know, you know, just checking in like that with the parents. That's big communicating with them and their AAU coach or their high school coach. If there was a real strong connection or relationship there, just keeping that kid's circle informed of what's going on and up to date. Uh, so I think those are things that are really good that we do that, uh, that I would continue to do. Um, if I, if I ever had, when I, unfortunately, take over at a program or get a head job myself. That's something that I would definitely, definitely do. Yeah. We talk about a lot as coaches. We are what we emphasize. So if you emphasize family, then you have to act that way. If you emphasize a togetherness. So in your recruiting and in your culture uh, says a lot about what you guys are doing. And and, uh, I think it's awesome. I'm a firm, firm believer in recruiting. Once you recruit the circle, keeping the circle a part of the family, communicating, keeping the lines of communication open because it also helps you hold those guys accountable and encouraged because there may be going something on at home that you find out that your player won't tell you and it helps you understand what's going on with them better or vice versa. There may be something going on in school that he doesn't want to say at home and he's telling you everything's great, everything's great. And it's like, no, he's struggling, you know, and so then they have to kind of step in and help. So it just helps when you have a strong village and you guys recruit high character guys. So they have a great character group around them. So it just helps to keep everybody in the loop. So um, yep. yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I love that. And 
again, no, no wonder why you guys have had the success with it. Um, so my bonus question, and then we'll open up to the room and have questions is, uh, I love the player development side of basketball um, and the teaching aspect of it and, and just seeing guys go from here to, to the next space. So what's something that um, probably in your entire career, this is again, a bonus question, but uh, that you feel like has enabled you to develop some of these great players that you've had at the pro level, uh, McDonald's All-Americans. And obviously you have, I um, mean, Keaton Wallace, for example, as a guy, people knew Jackson could really score, but Keaton Wallace, uh, I love coming out of high school. I'm from Dallas. He's from Dallas. Uh, evaluate him as like, this kid is a natural because he's, he's an elite three-point shooter. And what I saw when I evaluated him, he had ball skills. He could play and pick and roll. He could pass. He could make decisions. He had a feel that you can't teach. So, one, I know you guys are really good at evaluating. But, two, just how do you how, – how have you been able to, as yourself personally, like, ex excel in the, in, the, in the category of player development? Yeah, great question. I'm glad you asked that. You know, look, it, it, you talk about player development, and that's such – it's a word that, again, it, I hate to – I don't want to bag on it, but it's so overused and just, you know, oh, a development guy, he's a player development guy. Well, look, I'm just going to tell you this. I know this in the NBA. Being that you watch guy, you know what that guy is? You know what he's doing? Good job. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. Oh, that looks good. He's rebounding and passing to the guy. You know what I mean? And that's a development... And again, that's important because there's a relationship. And then, but look, is there any, you know, those, those things that people put on Twitter, these crazy trainers making this guy put one leg in a big tire and dribble around on the grass and go in a circle. It's like, come on. I mean, you know, cones and which there's no, I, I like some of that stuff. And it's really good. There's guys doing really good stuff. Drew Hanlon, I think does some good stuff. I mean, you know, Gannon Baker, all those guys do good stuff, but they haven't, you know, reinvented the wheel i mean here's what i always say about player development oh yeah you got those guys at finley you know and those guys were pro look tristan thompson was good before he got to us i didn't just sprinkle the you know the dust on him and oh my god what'd you do but here's what i've always said put those guys in a system of play that allowed them to flourish and play to their strengths but also made them play hard made them go hard, made them defend, got them in shape, you know, that, that's, and I guess, you know, you might sit, some might say, well, that's development. Well then, okay. Our conditioning program was the most important thing. Conditioning weights. That's what got us over the hump. And then just the system and the stuff and the, you know, the, the consistency of practicing every day, you know, my practice practice plans were defense came first. They, they had to know that that was a priority. So we did all the defense first and the skill work. And then we went into action, offensive stuff. So they knew every day. So that was, you know, subconsciously, they knew where the priorities were, you know, defense. Oh, I know we're doing defense, you know, that's coming for it. And then we'll go skill work and then we'll get into our offensive stuff. And that's, that stuff. I think that's the big part of player development is, is putting guys in a system and allowing them to play to their strengths and thrive within that system. But the key obviously is, you know, having a plan, you know, being organized. This was this, you know, I always tell young guys, you know, Adam Schwartz can probably say, where's your stuff? Where's your guys' stuff? 
You know what I mean? Well, what do you mean? Well, where's your, you got all this extra time at night. You guys like to hang around the office. Where is your stuff? You know, here's every your calendar. Here's our calendar for our team. They knew what was going offensively. Here's our travel. You know, here's offensively. Here's our terminology sheet. You know, guys got that before our season started. Perimeter player concepts, low post player concepts. Here's our defensive terminologies. Here's, you know, our gap defense. Here's what we're objectives of it. Here's a brief outline of what we're trying to do. Mental approach. You know, here's here's kind of our you know phases. I, I talked about that in one of my calls. Is you know the five phases of our program. You know that we break it down to the, throughout that goes throughout the year. Here's our scouting. You know, here's when they're at the house. I have a handbook. They were given a 37 page handbook that went over everything in terms of classes, mm-hmm. how we travel, how we practice, how we have games, you know, maybe it's, a, you know, people call it cover your ass manual, but whatever it is, it's, we had it. And, and it was all, it's, that's my, that's our book. That's our program notebook. And, and everything was in there. So if you had a question about our program, you reference this, the answer's in there, you know, and, and none of it's, none of it's anything that, we invented or created it's all stuff that you've heard before and um but it fit it fit us and it fit our philosophy it fit our style of play and it fit our approach and our execution of how we ran our program i got meeting notes in here for the first the first meeting of every fall that we'd have team meeting ever i kept all that boom this is what we want to cover this is what we went over it's all in there um but the biggest thing that that Mine was the approach set section, you know, that had the phases, but it also books, books that I'm, I've read or whatever. My favorite book is called Making the Core by Thomas E. Ricks. It's an unbelievable book. Um, I, I have so much respect and so much admiration for um, our military and especially like the Marines um, you know, the Navy SEALs and, um, Bud's training in, in, you know, I read the book, I took excerpts out from the book and I have, you know, there's just some stuff that I read and I just say, guys, I would hand it to them. It would be two pages. And I would say, if you want to understand and get a better grasp of me and where I'm coming from in my mindset and my approach to our preparation and our practices, make sure you read this. That will give you an understanding of how I think, what I think, and why I think that way. And our, we, we did. You know, some of this stuff, like I said, my non-negotiables, we approached our conditioning and our practice is very militant. It was a schedule and we didn't, we didn't deviate and we didn't compromise. You know, I used to say compromise is the first sign of destruction. You know, we just didn't. And, and some of those things in there, I just, I just think they're so... It, it, when I'd read it, I get so fired up and excited and I just want to make sure I, I got to share a couple with you. I just got to, I, I, I can't, I was reading these going over these yeah, yesterday please do, please do. and I got fired up. So in, in the book, here's one quote. It says, and this is so, this was in 1992, remind you, mind you, when this guy wrote this book and this is so now we're 28 years later. Here's this. A lot of today's kids are the Nintendo generation spending their lives looking into computers they're the highest quality recruits we've ever had in terms of education, but we've had to change our physical training to adjust to them. They are more fragile than recruits were 10 years ago. A lot of them have never hit someone or been hit. 
1992. Another one. When they mess up at home, they don't get punished. They get explained. The parents, the media all want to explain everything. Here, you screw up. We stop you and penalize you immediately before you forget it. Boot camp is indeed a kind of war. The recruits aren't the enemy. The enemy is their values, their unmarine-like values of self-indulgence, me first, I'm going to do what I want to do. That, 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 just, that, that kind of stuff just gets me fired up. I always read those, through those right before we go into our preseason right. conditions. Coach Henson gives me three days of what they call, we call boot camp. I want six days because I want it to stretch over two weeks, but he gives me three. Yeah. Because he doesn't want me killing him. So, <laughs> I so the, the part that you kept emphasizing, it was 1992, right? So yeah, the part about that is it still applies today. Oh, exactly. 100%. It, it, and back then they were saying that basically that now it's like, it's a whole different deal now. No I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. You know, one of, that's one of the things that, you know, we live in, you know, some of the questions that you had, you'd sent me, Brian, it was yep. just, if you think about this, people nowadays in our society, they're either mad, depressed, or offended. Right now, they're, they're, they're either mad, depressed, or offended. And we live in a hypersensitive world in society right now. So my advice, I would caution you on what you say and caution you on how you respond on social media. Yep. You know, I had a quote that I wanted to put out there during the pandemic, but I didn't because I, before I do anything, I really carefully read it. And here's, I'm just going to read it to you what I was going to put out there. I saved it. I screenshot it, saved it, but I didn't tweet it. After seeing, reading and listening to much over the past four months, the most sound and overriding principle in life, as simple as it sounds, appears to be the most difficult to consistently and universally embrace and execute to do what is right. Here's why I didn't tweet it. Because right. When you say right, I didn't want people to think, oh, he's, a, he's right. He's on the right. He's not on the left. Or he's not, a, you know what I mean? Between left and right politically. You wanted to be clear, and it, it, it could be and, misinterpreted. And people could misconstrue, do yep. what is right. Some people say, oh, he's politically, no, he's on the right. He's with right. the, and that's not it. So I didn't. So I'm like, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to put it up there because it, if, it, if, if one person thinks that or said, so, I'm just, so I, I just left it. But I just felt it was so on point. You know, one quote we used to, if you do the next thing right, you're as close to perfect as anybody can be. Mm. But right now, I think in our society, it's, it's, it's hard for people to embrace and, and actually execute. Yeah, mad, depressed, and offended. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, too, Coach, because there's so much that you can choose to be mad, offended, or depressed about. Or depressed about. So, yeah, um, it's definitely a intentional and something you have to work at. Choose joy. To choose to look at things from an optimistic viewpoint. So... Uh, and, and it's a talent, kind of like uh, people talk about guys that work hard or that that understand how to win. It's, it's kind of another talent, just being positive every day. Yep. Um, so I'll do, we'll do this. I know we can keep going all day, Coach, but yep. let's uh, let's open up. People, feel free to ask questions. Uh, unmute yourself. Tell us where you're from and 
Uh, and then we'll let coach kind of share some uh, share screen stuff with us before, uh, before we close. I got, I got one while people are kind of hitting unmute that somebody sent. Uh, so coach Cabrera from Holy Innocence, head coach in Atlanta. He said, coach Peck, I know you spoke on something you would have done differently at different spots, but what do you feel translates at each level you have coached with player development and dealing with culture? Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to get on a soapbox on this because if you haven't guessed it by now, this is exactly how I feel about it. Conditioning is the root of everything. Mm. Conditioning is the root of everything. Let me show you a couple things. Think about this. Think about an infant. When they're tired or hungry, they cry. You know why they're crying? Because they can't get past their feeling of hunger or being tired. And that's that's just the human reaction. You know, when when we get fatigued or we, you know, Vince Lombardi, fatigue makes cowards of us all. When you get tired and you're fatigued, you can't get past that. So that's when things break down. You take shortcuts. You don't go as hard. You can't execute. You can't. To me, that's why if my five guys can play long, my best players can play longer than your best players, we're going to win. Mm. And that was my thing. Everything, the games had to be real easy. They had to be like when, when that last second wore down, they'd be like, that's it? I could go another half. Easy. And that's what we wanted to get to because it was a huge mental advantage. I'm going to share this with you. I was texting Nigel Williams-Goss, who played for me um, yesterday. I was texting him. He's now with the Jazz. I said, we were talking about how um, uh, guys, you know, we got back on the court and um, – and guys, you know, it's slow. It's a slow process getting to get their legs under them and stuff. So I said, um, we finally able to start working with our guys last week. Their conditioning is horrendous. Not surprised and not too mad about it, but eager to get them back to at least a base level. Here was his response. I'm not going to lie. There's really no reason for people to have come back out of shape. Like one thing everybody could do was go to a park and run. I don't get it, but I'm glad you're back at it. Mm. Like he just, he couldn't relate. Cause that honestly, you know, they were taking courts down, taking rims off park courts. And stuff. so I get that. If you, you know, lived in an area where you, Hey, didn't have, didn't have a hoop. You know what? You could go outside, lace them up and you could just run. And he just, he can't relate. And that's why I, again, he took Gonzaga to the championship game and why he's on, on the jazz roster. I mean, there's a reason, you know, so that's part of it. I mean, I think, I think one of the things Rick Barnes said when Corey and Tristan got to Texas, one of the compliments he said is when they were going through their conditioning, he said, there's no, there's no way these, these guys aren't freshmen. These guys aren't freshmen. There's no way they can be not, not the way they're attacking this and, and, and the kind of shape they're in and, I thought just from two years with us and the way we did things, I thought that was a great compliment. No, it's good. It's good. Let's keep the questions flowing. Uh, we know coach has plenty more gems for us. So please uh, unmute yourself and go ahead and ask. 
<clears throat> I'd love to jump in. Uh, I asked it in the chat, but I'll go ahead and ask. So coach, we met before, but just for the purpose of the recording, I'll, I'll put it out there. My name is Menelik Fernandez. I'm the interim head coach at Fleming College up here in Canada. Pleasure. Thank you for your time. This has been wonderful. Uh, you, you state that conditioning is the root of everything. And I played for many coaches back in the day that very much had similar value systems. I, uh, I think currently at least dealing with the generation that I'm dealing with and the, the level of athlete that I'm dealing with, there's a lot of thought towards load management, towards not wanting to do punishment running, uh, towards being passively aggressive, towards training hard, all that kind of stuff. I'm wondering sort of what your viewpoints are and how you deal with athletes that sort of bring, like, like the whole discussion about hurt versus injured. Like if a player is hurt, can they push through or are they injured and they need to sit out? Like where do your lines sort of lie with all that? And how do you deal with players that in your mind, they're very clearly not injured. They're, they're just being passively aggressive towards the hard work that you're pushing out. Great question. Great question. Yep. Um, you know, that's, especially now there's a, there's a little bit of a, you know, you, I don't want to say delicate, but you gotta be, you gotta be careful. In our level, we have trainers. We have health people and trainers to our, you know, accessible. So they go through physicals before they get cleared to play and practice and all that stuff. So they do all the heart EKG and all that. And so there's no, so they get a full bill of health and a clearance. So for us, it's, you know, that's, that's the cover, cover our butt type of thing. But, you know, one thing that we do there, there, you don't want to, like, we're not going to go run out on cement. You know, we're going to go on turf where there's some give um, and some cushion, but, you know, I'm going to say like Nick Saban I mean, is the best, one of the best quotes, you know, it takes what it takes. You know what I mean? It, it takes what it takes. I'm sorry. I mean, here, here's a great example. One of our guys going to be really talented. He, you know, um, right now he's trying to fight through some of that mental part of it. Cause it's more, you know, I, I know um, it's, it's from Bob Knight. Chris Beard uses it. And I love it. Four to one. Mental is a physical as four is to one. Y'all get that, you know, four times, you know, the, the mental part. Conditioning's mental. You know, we used to do 6 a.m. runs at Finley, you know, and it's like, ah, we didn't do it just to say, yeah, it was 6 a.m., you know, we were out there. No, it was a mental thing. You know, gives a mental edge and a mental component to fight and to push through barriers and walls that they didn't realize they could get through. But, but you know, our kid yesterday, for example, you know, he kind of, having a rough time getting to the conditioning part but and it's like i said it would be like one of one of you guys going up to to a guy at the cadillac dealership and say hey i want the new escalade i want the 2021 escalade loaded and i'm 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 ready to walk out of here with it right now and he looks at you and he says okay and then you say okay how much how much is that gonna cost me and he's gonna look at you and go i loaded no 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 I can get you that for $110,000. And your immediate response is, you're mad. You're mad at him. Dude, you, that's what you, you're, that's the cost. That's what it costs. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. That's, you want a brand new Escalade fully low. It's 110. Now you're mad at the price. You know what? Maybe you need to go down to the Chevy dealership then. You know, no disrespect, but that's what it's like. And another coach, that great saying, don't be mad at me when I should be mad at you. You know, you knew what it, you knew, what did you think was going to happen when you came back and we started working out? 
did you think we were going to walk through stuff? And as far as injured, I remember having this conversation too with guys, Bryce Masamba, great player, went on to play at UNLV. He's a Sweden guy, Swedish guy, played professionally over there at Finley. He'd get hurt a lot. And I'd be like, guys, look, I don't know any other way. And when you, if you have ways that you know of, please tell me and we'll do it. I don't know any other way to practice the game than to defend, dribble, run, rebound, and shoot. I don't know any other way to practice the game than to do those things. That's what practice is. And if you guys are constantly getting hurt doing those things, then I don't know what to tell you. Maybe this isn't the sport for you. Maybe you should try golf. But it's like, don't be mad at me when I should be mad at you. It takes what it takes. It's just just what it is. If you don't want to do it, then you know what? Tell me you don't want to do it. Know what it is you're getting into. And then understand this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. And thank you, Coach. That was just like gem after gem after gem there. <laughs> you just got to stand. That's why that's one area that guys even here know that I just – I get fired up. I mean, I, I was dog cussing a couple guys today out there running and it was just like, you know what? It just, I, I can't relate. Here's another one. Write this down. Look, it's, it's a 10 minute video. If you can find it, good morning. America did it. David Goggin, David Goggin, G O G G I N. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 and I'm in shape. Like I run five, six days a week, four miles a pop, and I'm doing, you know, seven, 20 miles. This dude, I was intimidated and he made me nervous. I, I, and I can't hold a stick to that guy. That's a different level dude now. And that's a mindset. That's a mental thing, you know, but you watch that boy. Let me tell you, that's in, in, in his little 10 minute deal. He said, because his background was great. He was way overweight and everything. He made that change and that transition. But it, his, it, when he, I sat up when I saw the part where he said he was enamored with the Rocky, Rocky movies, the Rocky series. He just said when, when, he got, when, when Apollo knocked Balboa down and he thought it was over, but Apollo was like this. And he turned around and Rocky got up in like one of the late rounds. He goes, come on. And he goes, Apollo just put his head down and shook it. And he goes, he was done. He was defeated. Rocky had defeated him just by getting back up. And I got to tell you, that stuff, I get fired up at the hair. on the, the hair on the back of your neck doesn't stand up on some of that stuff. Then you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. God help you, because I can't. Isn't right. he the only person to ever complete BUDS and Navy SEAL training? And I forget the third Air one. Air Force one. Tactical Yes, all three. Think about that. Some guys get through one and they're like, I'm done. This dude did three. You kidding me? Phenomenal. Love it. Great stuff, Coach. Let's take one more question and then we'll let Coach share his screen and and share some more stuff with us. Coach Bethel, you got one over – I mean, Coach uh, Malloy, you got one over there. I know we talked earlier. I, I I know you're a basketball guy. You can unmute it. You don't have to be shy, man. So I, I, uh, I'm an assistant at Bethel High School, and uh, I'm fortunate to learn under Craig Breon, who's been there for 20-something years. Um, this past season, I'm learning from a guy named Ed Huckabee, who was at Wright State with uh, Paul Biancardi and stuff like that, and uh, just, just a wealth of knowledge. So I'm in a really good spot, and we treat everything 
like a college. He runs it like a college practice. It's just me yeah. and him, and then Coach Breon, the head coach, kind of sprinkles his his own little two cents in there. But it's pretty much me and Huck. Um, what is your opinion on uh, practices? You know, certain practices going like four hours because that Huck Huck's pet peeve is no, we're in and out two hours max, straight to the weight room afterwards, stuff like that. So, yep. And, and one thing that we we're at our, our level we're careful of is, is, you know, we got compliance, you know, we got limited hours. So we really stay on it. But I do think, you know, it, it even at, when I was at Finley, it's like, you know, early on, are you practicing to be longer? Yes. Cause you're putting in your system and you want them to get it right. So, you know, there's some days I think it, it is, you know, you can't kids nowadays, you one keeping their attention, you're just going to end up getting frustrated and they're not going to give you what you want. So like one thing that I remember doing is like telling them, like when we do something, guys, I don't need to see it six or seven times. I just need to see it once. And then they know you understand it and you've got it in you. So now I'm going to hold you accountable to it, but we can move on. So yes, I do believe in, in, again, I'm not saying 30 minutes, but you know, maybe as the season tail end of the season, yeah, you want to just get shots, keep them fresh, five on oh, whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm not about, oh, we're going four hours and we're doing, no, I'm not about that. Um, I, that's, that to me is like, I don't want to do that because I know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get frustrated because they're, and they're going to be terrible and it's going to get worse. Say, we're going to do it long you know what I mean? So it's like, I, I'm all about, um, you know, keeping it, getting in what you need to get in and then moving on just like you're, you're talking about. Yeah. The shorter you keep. Hey, t- Huck, Huck was at Owens, Owens junior college, wasn't he? I think so. I'm not sure. I'll have to ask him. Yeah, tell him I said, hello. Oh, tell him I cool. said, hello. I remember he was there. I think he was there with Jim Welling. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to hit him up after this. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the questions. We'll have one more small question segment at the end, but, uh, Coach, we'll let you share your screen, or if you want me to show the video on my end first, just let me know. Yeah, now look, we got a 60-second video that uh, Brian's going to put up there, and, and again, it's not really basketball-related, but it all is connected, and, and we'll watch it, and it's it's funny, but it's not funny. All right, let me get it up. Get it. Hold on one second. Yep. There we go. I'll just ask this guy. Um, excuse me. Would you mind taking a photo of us? Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Okay, everybody say cheese. Oh, um, actually, I'm a vegan. Can you please have us say something else? Okay, everybody say tofu. Tofu is actually not as good for you as vegan steak. Any crossfit will tell you that. It's bad for your testosterone level. Okay, I'm sorry. How about we all just smile? Oh, one more. So, What's it a smile about anyway? Okay. Would you like me to just count backwards from three? Oh, would you like dyslexic people to just not exist? My cousin has dyslexia, so offended. Adopted. Don't even know who my cousins are, so more offended. How about this? We all put a word we're comfortable with in our heads and I'll get the shot. No, 
that very inclusive, though, does it? I suppose you'd like us all to stand a few metres apart, would you? I don't see what religion has to do with this. Well, I'm an atheist, so majorly triggered. Is that a comment on the gun debate? Is that is that not the world we live in right now? I mean, it's funny. It makes you laugh because you're like, yes. I mean, it's just everything is. We we are now. You know, we we sit there and talk about bad kids anymore. They can't be social and interact. You know, with well, based on that, that's the world we want. That is 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 what kids are now and not interacting and just being in an, it's funny because my staff at Finley used to say, because dealing with all the people we used to deal with in terms of AAU and parents and the school and colleges and recruit, you know, it was, there was times when that would just get to me during the year. And I would, they always used to say, yeah, you just don't, you, you want to live in an I world. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. I do. I want an I world and I want to just mute everybody and shut them off. <laughs> not deal but to be honest that's the safest way that's the safest way is to be isolated and secluded because now you can't you now you now you don't offend anybody because really any anything you say is offensive and and it's just going to get you're going to you're going to you're going to feel it and you're going to hear about it and so it's just a hypersensitive world and society and 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 the same thing is with with players you know and in coaching you know you got to be careful you, you know you got to be careful you know what some stuff that you say and, and you know and, and and it's just now because it's like they go to administrator and you know and, and i have a hard time and certain things but, but there's sometimes there's just certain things i'm not holding back you know in practice defense especially when we're doing defense it's just you know what i mean just I just, I, I can't, I'm not going to hold back on guys. And you know what? I'm not going to would have been okay. So thus far, check back with me after this year. It might be different. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> there. So uh, That's great. It's got, it goes exactly to that mad depressed defender you talked about earlier. Yes. Great, great, great illustration coach. Great. Exactly. Illustration. I know you said, I know you got a bunch of stuff over there. I know you said you may want to share one or two things more. Uh, so feel yeah. free to do. Yep. Um, here uh, and again, if you guys want this stuff, I'm not going to share it. I'm going to put it on the screen, but I, I'm going to read some of the stuff. I just want to some good nuggets um, that 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 I think is is really good. Um, another another book. If you guys are into books, I'm not like this big reader. I hope you guys don't sit there and think I'm a big reader. I, I, but there are certain things. This is a good book, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Really good book really 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 good book um she's it's it's worth it's worth the read if, if if you if you can just peruse it and and um and go through it but um one thing here's what i want to you know for young guys whatever i wrote down some things that, that i had like 32 things that 
sayings or phrases that I that really resonated with me. Um, Bill Parcells said this one, and it was, you know, I know there was a rift between him and Charlie Weiss. So something happened there. I'm not sure what it was, but it, um, loyalty and friendship will always outweigh ambition. Um, young guys in the profession, don't get caught up in the chase. You know what I mean? Don't, don't burn bridges. Um, you know, you don't want to do that. You know, you got to stay loyal. You got to stay loyal to those that, you know, gave you opportunities and stuff. And that's important. And some guys get caught up in the chase just because, and, and they, and they burn that bridge. And once you go down that road, it's hard to go back. So, um, so I think that's important. Um, three, three things that I, that I was fortunate with three important people in my life that, that, uh, that, that I always look to. Um, my dad said, and this gave me great perspective on anything. Things can always be worse. Things as bad as things are, as bad as days you had things worse. You know, I remember I ruptured a disc coming out of high school and I had to have surgery. And so I was going through that moping period going into my freshman year in college. I was going to be redshirted because I couldn't play. It's feeling sorry for his, and he, he just got sick of me moping around. He said, let me tell you something, son, always be worse. He goes, see that guy in that wheelchair? He ain't ever getting out of that wheelchair, you know, and that it gives you great perspective. My mom told me, be good to good people. That's the way, be good to good people, you know, um, and that's important. And then my wife, God only gives us as much as we can handle. Mm. You know, he didn't create the storm, but he's with us in the storm for sure. And that's just a faith thing. I don't mean to get on a soapbox. I don't want to offend anybody, but you know, I'm, my faith is very important in my life. Um, compromise is the first sign of destruction. Leadership's important, basically is what he's saying. Um, accountability early on is everything. The longer you allow or tolerate it, the harder it becomes to change or alter it. Mm. The game is overcoached and undertaught. You've got to be able to teach the game. That's wooden. Your, your character is more important than your talent. This was one of the things that I always would say with our guys at Finley because they were, they were coming from being the man wherever they were, and now they had to coexist with other guys that were the man. Um, it's not about what you want. It's about what we need. Mm. it's not about what you want it's about what we need uh i love this one richard branson train people well enough so they can leave treat them well enough so that they don't want to mm. that's Dabo sweeney you know his assistants for so long he kept them for so long you know and i know firsthand because my wife's cousin is uh, was the offensive coordinator there for him he just left and took the south florida head job football job jeff scott but he treated those guys so well. And, you know, he, his camp money, you can imagine their camps. Oh my gosh, the money they pulled in. Never, Dabo didn't take a penny. He did not take a penny. He used to walk, I had heard at one point, he walked over a $50,000 check to their academic person each year and gave it to her. So, cause she knew they needed her. You know, when recruiting visits came, if they needed, she needed to stay late, do some stuff. Hand her that every year, she's probably gonna be like, "Yeah, you know what? That's coach. That's not a problem." Sunday afternoon at two. Yep, not a problem. Um, what are your non-negotiables? Now, this is what I always tell players, and same thing nowadays for even us. 
what am I about to do or say, and how will this affect my our team? Players, whenever you're about to do something or say something, ask yourself things. What am I about to do or say, and how will this affect our team? Um, I'm not a Shakespeare guy, but I thought this was great. Play well your part. Therein lies the glory. Mike Jones at DeMatha. I will never understand why players choose to play a team sport if all they are worried about is themselves as individuals. Mm-hmm. Larinaga, we don't run offense. We play offense. Listen, here is a huge, 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 huge. Listen with the intent to understand, not with the intent intent to reply. That's Stephen Covey. Listen with the intent to understand, not with the intent to reply. You always hear that sometimes when you're, when you're speaking. And before you even finish, they're speaking over you. And that drives me nuts. Um, a coach must be what he wants the team to become. That's Alan Stein. The life you live is more important than the words you speak. Uh, Here's one for you. Defensive recovery and pursuit. Defensive recovery and pursuit out of pick and roll is as important, if not more important, than the initial coverage of it. So it doesn't, you go under, you go over, you switch, you what the pursuit and the recovery are as important as however you're going to cover it, if not more important than the actual coverage. And that's just effort. Um, You can dock rivers. You can become a star by buying into your role. That's Tristan Thompson. True measure of success is when people around you are flourishing. Don Meyer, you get what you emphasize. Alan Stein, this was a great one. If your presence doesn't make an impact, your absence won't make a difference. Um, the only way to be hyphen less as a player is to be selfless and relentless. There's a big difference between playing and competing. Um, leaders must model leaders must model what they demand from people. That's John Maxwell. There's one too, Ron Joseph. I knew Ron when he was with Tubby at Minnesota. He came through recruit. He said one week. Coach Hood and I actually saw him a couple summers ago, and he said, because nowadays guys that love the game, he goes, yeah, we got some guys that love it, but, you know, we, we would be, we would like to, and we need to have more guys that can't live without it. There's guys that love it, and there's guys that can't live without it, the game. There's a big difference there if you think about it. You know, we're begging guys to get in the gym and get extra work in, and some guys just ain't doing it, just, just won't do it. Um, but that's, that's some of the stuff I've got a ton more good stuff, some excerpts from those books that I just think are freaking phenomenal. Damn few, another book, damn few, another one, making the modern Navy seal warrior. That's a great book. If you guys want to want to get into some of that, um, you know, know, it's, it's just seal training isn't for everyone. You know, that's what we always tell our guys. It's not for everyone. Winning at our level in our game is not for everyone. You know, before graduation, 70, 80% of the class would likely be gone. That's seven or eight out of every 10 in Navy SEAL training would be gone before graduation. Uh, SEALs 
the seal, a seal's mental toughness is more important than his physical fitness. Um, what we teach is pure seal. The lessons are simple, clear, and well-defined. They come right out of our basic values. Winning pays. Losing has consequences. Nothing substitutes for preparation. Life isn't fair and neither is the battlefield. Even the smallest details matter. Our success depends on our team performance. These precepts are driven home constantly. You have to be willing to do more than the minimum. You have to be willing to sacrifice your rest and your free time to constantly improve. Fairness is irrelevant, is an irrelevant concept in war. Just tell me that how those don't directly translate to how we're trying to prepare our teams. I mean, I'm telling you that it's just, you want to get your guys into a mindset. I'm telling you, you can learn a lot. I have a lot of admiration and respect for, for, for our military. And, and I just think there's such good nuggets out of those things. And I just, I just look at it every year to get myself fired up for preseason. So if, if you guys, anybody wants any of those um, handouts, you know, anything that I've got those things listed. I've got, I got a ton more. Um, one thing that we do is a recruiting litmus test. It's 13 points, you know, and when we recruit a kid, you know, um, so we don't, there's a lot of guys that spin their wheels recruiting, you know, we just, here's, should we go all in and, and, and fly across the country to go recruit the kid? Well, here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Mm. You know, so that's stuff that. What's uh, what the best way, Coach, for them to get that? Is that email you? Did you put your email in the chat already? Email, take my phone number down, too. I'll give you my cell number. I have no problem with guys texting me. 210-214-2513. 210-214-2513. I have no problem with guys texting me or reaching out. I will get back to you. It may take me um, a second or two or a day or two, but, you know, I, I do respond. I don't just ignore it and if i if it's been more than you know if it's been longer than four or five days hit me again yeah and if you guys will just do this just if you want to add your email just put just your name and your email in the chat real quick and then we'll try to make sure we get that out to you guys because obviously coach has some big time nuggets uh if you want that just put your name email in the chat and then we'll we'll make sure we get that over to you um coach i'll ask one before we open up uh to the audience again just to to get their questions, but, um, you know, we, we talked about this in advance a little bit, or at least I, I sent it to you, but just talking about the current climate, we talked about the pandemic, uh, talk a little bit about your, and you, you mentioned it a little bit with doing what's right. You've said that over and over and over. There's not one thing they get outside of conditioning, um, and how important that is and toughness, um, just doing what's right. So just whatever you feel comfortable sharing, obviously, uh, black lives matters are really, um, important topic. You know, let's be honest, most of our athletes at our level uh, and at the pro level, um, at the college and pro level are black. Um, and obviously we know there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of different sides. I don't want to make you put yourself in any position you don't feel comfortable, but anything you want to share or shed light on from your stance on this kind of times that we're in. Yeah. And, and I, it, great. Brian, I just, here's, here's what I'll say. Black lives matter. Yes. Yeah. That's my, yes, they do. You know, coach Henson got a great analogy because everybody, you know, some people say all lives matter. Well, yeah. Okay. But it's kind of like your house, your house is here. My house is here. And Brian, your house is here. 
the one that's on fire yep. matters more right now. You know, they all matter. They're all important because they're all somebody's house. They live in there and they got their families in there. But the one that's on fire takes priority right now. It matters more right now. I thought that was a great analogy in terms of explaining. And here's, this is, you know, my mom told me this, you know, here's, here's what I'm going to say. And I'm not, and I don't mean to sound callous because look, I told our guys, we had a, a zoom meeting after all this stuff broke and stuff. And I said, look, I'm a minority. You can say what you want. I'm a minority. My mom was Korean. My dad was American. So I am, I'm a minority. Um, now I can't credibly or accurately, accurately depict or speak on what I have not experienced. So I, you know, I don't know what Brian, some of the things that you maybe experienced in life that have been negative experiences. I can't speak on that. I can't because I haven't experienced it. So I'm not going to try to talk about it. And I'm not going to try to say, I feel your pain. And I, I don't, because I don't, I haven't walked in your shoes, but I think we're in an interesting time. I think we're in a critical and important time in our country and in our world. And I think we are seeing some things happen and continuing to happen. And hopefully that, that, that will, that will continue to progress and move forward. But what I do want and this goes for everybody and anybody. If you think, and I used to tell our players this, if you think you're going to experience a life without pain, challenges, or struggles, you are delusional. You are delusional. Because that is not going to happen. It's not. It's not going to happen. My mom, I was used to complain, oh my gosh, man, when I'm older, man, I'm not even going to be able to walk. I'm so sore because I'd work out or play. My mom got sick of it one time and she said, you think you're going to have a life without pain and without discomfort? You're crazy. It's not happening. It's not happening. If you're going to play this sport and put your body through what you put it through, get used to it, buddy. Basically suck it up, you know, and that's not what I'm saying here, but I think here's, here's what, and maybe I'm wrong. And you guys tell me this, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, when that came out, here's what I think. And I firmly believe this. I think prior to him doing what he did and taking the knee, I think if he would have came out and said, this is what I'm going to do or plan on doing. And this is why I think that changes everything. But for us that didn't know that, and you just looked at it from a perception standpoint, I'm not saying I agree, but I could understand how somebody might be offended by that because there was no forewarning or explanation. You know, it's kind of like Vinny Del Negro. I heard this story when Vinny Del Negro was with the Clippers and you're like, oh, Vinny will get back into it. Well, no, he won't. And he did because Vinny, I heard, used to do, and I could be wrong, but like I asked, I think it was Scott Williams was my assistant in the G League. Scotty Williams played North Carolina with the Bulls. And I said, well, why? You know, and he said, I think he had heard that he used, you know, Vinny would do things without communicating to the players sometimes, like change the lineup. And all players wanted was communication. 
So if he'd have went to a player and said, hey, look, tonight, based on who we're playing and how we played the last three games, I'm going to kind of shift the lineup a little bit. I'm going to bring you in off the bench or something. Pros have been like, okay. You know, most guys have been like, yeah, I got you. Just a heads up, communication. But he wouldn't. And they go into that, and then it'd be like, it kind of surprise them. Players don't like that. They don't appreciate that. They don't like that. So that's, you know, I think if people are given a heads up, then they can understand and be prepared, so to speak. Not that he, I'm not saying he owed it to them, but I think that would have changed everything. I really do. Uh, instead of trying to backtrack and explain after the fact, and I could be wrong, but I just, I can, I can, I can see where people were offended, you know, probably a lot like Drew Brees because he didn't know and understand what and why he was doing it. Maybe I'm wrong. No, that's good. You said a lot of good stuff, coach. One thing I wanted to say that you opened up with when you said, uh, so we had a coach on here, uh, matter of fact, Chris Dorsey from Centenary College head coach. And he talked about what you said in the beginning. You said, you don't know what it's like to be in the shoes of a black man. So he talked about his players were so angry and he talked about they were willing to talk to him, but on their campus, there's not very many other black administrators or and other coaches were kind of asking him. So one thing he suggested kind of like in general to people who weren't black was, you know, it's important to establish a sense of, I don't understand a, a sense of vulnerability to them so that they can now be open and be vulnerable to you. So they're not necessarily going to trust that or feel comfortable and they may not even after, but it just does so much in his opinion. And I'll just kind of take his, his words and, and quote him, but it's so important to establish that uh, as people that are not black so that those young men and, and young women can feel, okay, this person at least sees me. They understand that they don't know what this is like. So they're not trying to tell me how I should feel or how I should think. So I think that you touched on that was uh, really huge. And then, um, you know, we've held, uh, so Rising Coaches has had now three um, social justice roundtables slash town halls. Ryan Price, I think he's still on the call. Um, he was a part of partnering for the first one. Uh, and shout out to Ryan for being named one of the top assistants in the SWAC today uh, by Jeff Goodman. But um you know, we've had two more after that. And I think this conversation is healthy. The part I would say just to the Kaepernick part is um, I think Kaepernick's approach not knowing was probably I'm going to ask for forgiveness and not permission, because if you ask for permission, then maybe people try to stop you from doing it. Um, and I think probably in his mind, and again, I don't know, but he stated very clearly afterwards why he did it, which he wanted to call attention to it. Right. So Martin Luther King talks about, Writing is the language of the unheard, right? So you feel like this topic is not something people want to hear about anyway, so you almost have to draw some attention to it. Um, but hopefully if he did do it in advance, then you'd like to think that it could have gone better. But uh, sometimes in our in our world, uh, narratives get hijacked no matter if you do it before or after, you know? So, um, you know, the, the good part about now, I think, is like you said, the Drew Brees conversation does happen because he was on this side and now he understands it because he's had conversations. So these conversations are always healthy. Uh, again, appreciate so much you opening up on that because it's not an easy topic. Uh, and I know that, uh, you know, you, you're such a firm believer in, in what's right. And so I know how much that matters to you. And same with what Coach Henson said. I think I've heard that analogy many times. I think it's one of the best analogies you can give 
when people almost want to discredit how important this topic is specifically, you know, and somebody else used an example of if it's a sickness, if it's a certain type of cancer, it's not all cancers matter. If you have breast cancer, you want to have attention for that. So um, again, all that being said, appreciate you going on a heavy topic. Let's take a few more questions before coach uh, takes off. We appreciate so much his time. He's dropped so many gems. I think coach Jackson from Dallas, you may have a question. Boise Jackson, Centennial High School. Uh, off of uh, one of your colleagues, uh, Adam, and on y'all's on y'all's team, who uh, Coach Jackson, I think your your service is kind of going in and out. We can't hear you clearly. Sorry. Oh, okay, I apologize about that. Can y'all hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay. Uh, Travoisi Jackson, again, Centennial High School. Uh, again, I was, my, my, my question is, um, Adam Hood mentioned that you guys have a young man on y'all's basketball team who shares a last name with me, right? I'm very fond of the last name, Javon Jackson. Um, and he stated that he's an extreme, and, and those of us, you know, we know that he's an extremely talented scorer, right? Probably one of the best basketball players ever come and wear a roadrunner uniform. But he mentioned that he struggled on the defensive side. And you mentioned that you needed guys that, that really wanted to, to play defense. And, and my question is, how do you get a guy, right, like a Javon Jackson, to really get after it and defend? Great question. Here's the, here's the interesting part with Javon. Javon is a very willing defender. He, he, he doesn't, you know – he'll sometimes get lost because he'll overcommit on helping and try to dig uh, on plays, but he's committed. He's just really Javon's, as you know, is, is, is not real. He's not a, he's not a big guy. You know, he list him at six foot, but you know, that sometimes is, it's debatable, you know, and he's really light, you know, during the season, we're trying just to keep him at 160 pounds, you know, off season, he can get up to 170, 172, you know, when you start playing, he gets, he's just light. So guys can overpower him and, and move, he's move, he, they can move him easily. So it, it's not anything that he's not, it's not like he's unwilling. He's just, you know, he's just limited in that regard. In, in, in our conference, there's, you know, there's athleticism and size at the, in, on the perimeter, um, you know, a lot. And that's, and that's sometimes where he gets caught in situations and in, in matchups that that um, he can get he can get overpowered. Um, but he's 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 not a guy that sits there and just puts his hands in his pockets or his thumb up his butt and says, you know, I ain't guarding. <laughs> that's not he he gets really mad sometimes in practice and frustrated. So we have to, you know, we 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 definitely have to uh, we make sure that you know he, he just. We, we keep a close eye on that so that it doesn't just uh, mentally deflate him on that end of the court, because it's not like he's not, like I said, he's not trying, he's, he's a willing defender. He just, he gets limited sometimes in matchup situations. Good question. Good question. We'll take a couple more before we give coach a chance to give some closing thoughts and thank him again for coming today. 
Normally, Coach, your, your colleague is one of the best question askers uh, and on all Zooms, but he's quiet today because he gets to ask you every day. So uh, we see Dallas. Dallas is getting big. Hello, Dallas. Yeah, no, I can ask one. It, you know, I, mean, I, I didn't want to, obviously, I see him every day. So I didn't want to, you know, do, you know take, take it, you know, whatever, abuse it. But my, my, my question would be, though, being, having been a head coach and now being an associate head coach and having been an assistant coach, what, what are some of the things now that you're, you know, you were a head coach, what are some of the things being an assistant coach, what makes a good assistant coach in your eyes? And what, as a head coach, would you want to hear from assistant coaches that, number one, help you? And number two, kind of not upset you, but you know what I mean? That they're like, come on, man, like <laughs> as a head coach, because yep. some of us not set over in that chair. Yep. Great question. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. Being a head coach is a lonely position. It is a lonely position, let me tell you. Um so being, you know, if if any of you can get a hand get your hands on this, I think Schwartzy probably, I think. He had it. Shoot, he might still have it. He was supposed to give it back to me. Um, Bob Starkey, who's now an assistant on the women's side at AM, started out as an assistant on the men's side at LSU with Dale Brown. Golly, back in the might be the 80s, he put together a spiral bound, the art of being a successful assistant coach. Great. And it's not a long read. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's like a little notebook almost. And it's a great read. It's, it's phenomenal. If you can get your hands on that or find it, I don't, I know, I think Schwartz, has it. I'll talk to him, see if he'd still has it or not, but maybe it's in, in some of my boxes, but um, uh, it's, it's really good. Um, but one thing I would say is the more, like you, you say, the more you can take off of his plate, you know, and, and again, you got to get a feel for your head coach. Coach Henson's technically great X's and O's. So right now, like our thing is let him spend and consume his time because he does. He's watched during the pandemic. He watched every one of our games, offense and defense twice. And it's like, oh, my God, kidding me. I can't. OK, I, I don't want to watch some of that crap more than, you know, half. But give him the time to do this. You know what I mean? Give him the time to play with his ex's nose and do that because that's what he's really good at. And now that we've got four year guards and stuff, he's got it. So don't. And, and sometimes some your coaches get consumed. You know, your head coaches with doing other things and get focused on things that maybe like are not important. Don't worry about that. And there's some things that we have to tell him. Hey, don't worry about that. Don't 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 worry about that. Just you do you. We got this. So don't bring things to him that he doesn't need to know. Only bring things to him that, that need his attention, that are pressing, and that maybe only need that that only his signature, quote unquote, or his voice, you know, needs to address. But if it's not or something, it's it's minor, don't, don't, don't even don't even mention it because he might he might hear something that doesn't matter. It's, it's not going to impact what he needs to be doing. And the other thing I'll say. And this is our coach Henson's an office guy. I'm an office guy. Schwartz, he knows this. I just like being in the office, you know, one. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I'm in here at 5 a.m. We don't leave till 10. There's time in here where I'm, I might be looking through social media or I might be calling a friend or doing, you know, but I just like being around. 
and you know, you know, and, he, and he's the same way. So, you know, it's nothing during the season where, you know, I'll leave at nine 30 and he's still in here, you know, and we're back in here. He's in here. He's the six thirty or seven and I'm not too far behind him, but especially when you're not, if you're going through a rough patch and you, you maybe you're losing a few games or something, be around, try to be around for him. You know what I mean? Just because it's lonely one to be in that seat. But what you do want is you, you know, I, I don't want to say this like misery loves company, but, but you want to know that you're not the only one in the boat trying to get the freaking water out. You know, you want to know that your guys are with you and it's just, just being there. It's not, it's not like you're banging out work and doing, I'm not saying that again, don't, don't, misunderstand what I'm saying, but just being around, you know what I mean? Is, is just him knowing that, you know, I think, I think him knowing that my door was open and my light was on was comforting because it made him feel he's not alone. We're all in this together and we're going to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. We're doing things that are going to help our program. I think that's a big thing that, you know, again, some bosses, you know, are like, after a loss, they go up there and sit there and you don't leave till they leave. And they're, they're just going to make you, they're going to make everybody miserable around them. He's not like that. He's not like that at all. You, you do what you got to do. You know what I mean? You know, your job, I'm not going to micromanage and do, if you got to go, you got to go, if you want to go, whatever, but it is lonely. And, um, it's, you know, he just, I, I think it's important for him to know that, uh, that, that, you're with him, you know, and, 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 and that'll go, I think that goes a long ways. And, and I want him to feel that way because I know how that is. You know, if you're sitting it's like, Whoa, you know, I'm just, am I the only one that feels, you know, and just knowing it's comforting more than anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach, I think we got two more questions. So one's in the chat. Um, and then I'll ask the other one and then let you have closing thoughts. So one is, uh, Coach Jackson asked, how will you define UTA success this season with so much uncertainty? So there's that question. And then uh, the other question I have for you is just what's two things now that you've been a head coach multiple times, uh, now you're an assistant coach for a really good head coach. What things, what's two things that you'll maybe do in addition to things that you've already done before or that you would change the next time you're a head coach? Answer in any order. You know what? I, you know, I think it, uh, being a head coach now, it, it's different. people always say too, and this will help answer that question. It's like, you know, do you miss Finley? Do you miss, you know, it's like, it was great, but I don't because I don't know that you could do it now the way we did it then. And it's not like it's that far removed, you know, and it's just, it's different. Times have changed so much in just a short period of time. I just don't, you know what I mean? So there's, you're going to learn whether you've been a head coach or not, you're going to learn as you go and as you get into a seat. But I, I don't, you know, the good thing in, that I'm fortunate is I've been a head coach. So I, you know, and I'm at an age where I know what I am. I know who I am and what I stand for in terms of, you know, philosophically basketball wise. I just know. And then it's our job as a staff to recruit to that recruiting fit. 
you know, we, we talk about as a staff, you know, guys that coach Hens is going to want, you know, mentally tough, high IQ guys that can shoot. He can, the other stuff, oh, I got to be super athletic. We can live without that. You know, Byron Fronin, all-time leading rebounder in UTSA history. You know, it's qualms about us. It. It's his favorite player. Byron this, Byron that, Byron this, Byron that, you know. And, you know, it's, it's that, so we're going to, we, we're going to recruit to guys that we know fit what he can coach and what he wants to coach and how he coaches as much as we can. But now there's outliers, obviously, in, in, in anything, but you got to, that's the important thing is to, is to, you know, knowing what fits in terms of that and to recruit to that. So that, that's, uh, recruiting is a challenge wherever you're at. And, he, he, you know, here's what I should have started with the whole tonight with is I'm going to answer every single question before you ever ask it. And you know what the answer is to all of them? When, when, winning takes care of all the questions, concerns, and issues that you could have if you just win. And that's, I'm just telling you, you win games, everything. Les Whitkey, who was at West Point, was the head coach, and he had an assistant, Les Furtig, who was a mentor to my guy that I played for. And he said to him, don't, and I've said it here because we tried to get, you know, try to get more attendance at games and more fans and stuff. And I used to say what Les Furtig used to say to my guy. He had a little Southern draw to him. Don't get your fans before you get your team. That's great. If you muscle up 10,000 people to come and, and you're not very good in your first year, guess what? They ain't coming back. You know what I mean? So my, you know, just for win, win. And then everything, everything comes with that. It takes care of itself. And that, that's, that's, I just think that's important. And that's the big thing. One thing that I think coach Henson does that I've picked up from him, um, not from a technical standpoint, but he's phenomenal. He coaches, whether we're up by 20, down by 20, or it's a close game, he coaches until the very end, which to me is like, sometimes I'm sitting there, we're done. We're not winning this game. You know, we're down 13 and there's, you know, 27 seconds left and we've subbed already. And he coaches it like it's a one possession game. You know, he, he does not rob any of those players that are out there or our team or our program or our university in any way. He doesn't concede. He will fight and compete till the buzzer goes off. And that's, that is very important nowadays, especially in terms of your fans, your sponsors and boosters and your administration. And then that second question uh, Coach Jackson had was, what, well, how would you define UTA success this season with so much uncertainty? Yeah, hard to say. You know, I think everybody asks, you guys think you'll have a season. I think a lot of it's we're waiting on football. You know, football is what we'll see what they do, and then they're kind of going to be the guinea pig. Now, the good thing is, is our season has some time yet before we start. I think there will be a season. I think it'll look different. I don't know what that different is. Um, but for us – Look, disappointing year last year, no doubt about it. We, you know, and like we say to ourselves, we got to win. We got to win this year. And by God, we, if somebody said, hey, you have two all-conference guards that are seniors, dude, you're going to win. You know what? 
we should, we're supposed to, that's, and, and we gotta, we gotta put those guys in position to have success. Now we think we've added a couple pieces that are going to greatly help them, but you don't know. We don't know. We don't know until they get out there. I mean, they're new guys. So how are they going to blend and mesh? How quickly they're going to blend and mesh and adjust to what we want to do and to each other. And I don't know, it might happen quick. It might not, but you know, at the end of the day, we feel we have a core group of guys that can compete with best in this league the best teams in this league if you look at a north texas who's returning some star power and it's going to be pretty good and they do a great job i feel like we can compete with those guys based on from a talent standpoint based on what we have coming back and what we've added i don't sit there and go oh i don't know i'm not sure i think we'll, we'll compete but I, don't, I think we can win we can beat them we're capable but whether or not we will i don't know i don't you just it's too way 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 too soon Great answer, Coach. Not not an easy question to to answer. Um, yeah. So just last, uh, thanks so much, Coach. We'll let you have some closing thoughts um, next week. We have some uh, more guests, kind of Tuesday, Thursday lineup. I know most people know how to follow us, but just want to thank Coach for taking so much time and sharing so much of his journey and so many nuggets. I think most people. I saw a lot of people writing. Uh, I know most people got a lot of notes and nuggets from from today. So yeah. appreciate it. You have a very unique diverse uh, from being a video guy to being a head coach in the pro level. Not very many guys can say that they have that kind of journey uh, at the college level uh, and then going to pro and then coming back now being an associate head coach. So thanks so much, coach. It was awesome. Um, just wanted to give you the floor to have any last thoughts you wanted before we close. Yep. Just a couple things. One, two things. I, young guys out there, guys that coaching that want to, you know, try to get to the college level or move up in the profession or move on in the profession. There's a, I've got a document just, I can send it to you. It's quick and easy. I got it ready to go. It's 13 points of, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's maybe not advice, but it's, it's, it's 13 things that you need to think about or consider. And it's, I think it's, it's, it's very, it's observations. It's not, you know, I don't, it's, it's, it's just, it's real talk is what it is. I think you'll enjoy some of it. You might not like any of it. That's fine. But even if you pull one or two points out of there, I think it's very good. So email me if you want that. The other thing I'll say is there is no perfect job. Calipari has issues in Lexington. I'm just telling you right now, there is no perfect job. You know, Vogel, as good as the Lakers are, he's in LA that is like, you know, he's just shaking his head at so if you sit there and go, wow, yeah, if I could just get, if I could, there's no perfect job. So just, you can just get that out of your head. There's always going to be issues and in, 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 in things that you're going to have to deal with. And it's just a matter of, it's like recruiting with a player. What are the players with priorities in recruiting? You know what I mean? And then, you know, he lists them and he's got to go down the line. You know, some guys, I'm not going to a cold climate. Okay. Then you're not going to the East coast. You know what I mean? That's boom, cut that out you know, what are your priorities in terms of, you know, you coaching and where you want to coach and, you know, where you want to be and stuff. And you just got to, you got to set, you're going to, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to live with and deal with and settle for. It's just because there is no perfect job, regardless of what anybody says. But I appreciate you guys. I think this was great. I think this forum and what Brian and Rising Coaches is doing you know, like I said, if I was a young guy getting back, if I didn't have my mentor, my coach, and his connection with Don Meyer, and I wasn't exposed to that, 
I'd probably be less than half of the coach I am just because, you know, I just, I wouldn't have learned as much. And, you know, I was fortunate and I, I got, I, I squeezed as much out of that sponge as I could. And I still do. And, um, I think, I think this is a forum and a format that you guys can, um, you know, definitely flourish in and, and, and navigate the profession and get as much as you can out of it, because I just don't know what else is out there now anymore in terms of, you know, the clinics are great. There's some guys, your guys speak, you pull a nugget or two out of there, but it's just different now. It's just not what it was. And I just, it, it would make me nervous if I were to a little bit, I should say, uh, coming through now, just because I, you know, I was a technical guy, you know, um, and uh, I also, you know, one of the things that I, I found so much stuff getting ready for this thing that I, I, I shake my head and I say, I wrote that, when did I write that? Like, that's actually sounds pretty good. And, 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 you know, it was a long time ago I did it. It's, I didn't really, I don't, it's not com fully complete. It's a four, four page document. And it um, just talks about wanting to be a coach. And then, you know, the two avenues, if you're really just jumping in the recruiting Avenue and called the recruiting Avenue and the teaching Avenue the technical, the coaching part of it, you know, there are two routes you can go. You guys go the, the recruiting route, which is fine, but that wasn't, that wasn't, and that might be the quicker route, but that wasn't the path I chose. And, um, but I, I, I wouldn't have a problem sharing that thing, but it wants to just, again, don't, don't hesitate to reach out, uh, text, email, call, whatever you want. Um, I'll answer questions. I'll talk to you. I'll spend time. I spent over the pandemic, Here's the most valuable phone call I had. I spent three hours on the phone with a 20-year-old kid from the East Coast who was not in coaching but was in the analytics part of it, but more on the – he wants to be ultimately get into the NBA front office, um, like probably with – I'm guessing like more like salary cap and player acquisition type stuff. Mm. Phenomenal. He's, I keep in touch with him now unbelievable he was phenomenal three hours and he was he was smart he spoke so fast that sometimes he wouldn't finish his thoughts and he was really green but if there would have been any possibility for him for us to have anything here for for him i would have done it in a second in a second because this kid is phenomenal and he just like and i still from a recruiting standpoint with especially to go to one transfers and I tested him. I said, Hey, do a little thing on our couple of our players. Tell me, give me some feedback. And just mm -hmm. based on their stats over the years, he wrote up things and he was right on point. And then there were some things like, well, why, why didn't you, or why wouldn't you? And there were some things that he, those again, like the analytics part is very good, which was our guy in that, but there's some things the analytics part doesn't tell you because you don't, the analytics part doesn't look at how you spend every day with a guy in practice. And some of those things that, you know, Byron Fronin, like he did him, he goes, yeah, after his second year with you guys, he should have been a no brainer first conference for the next two years. And a guy ultimately that should be getting some type of pro contract overseas. And he goes, what, you know, what, what was the deal? What? And I said, he didn't, he didn't love it. He didn't love it. He didn't put in, he didn't put near the time in like Javon and Keaton do. You know what I mean? But he didn't, he couldn't see that. And stats he just knew something was off but it was the three hours three hours on the phone and it was 
it was great. So anytime there's a transfer thing, I, I, I say, hey, I'm intrigued by, and I look at two categories in there and I pick those guys and I say, I'm intrigued by these guys. Give me your, give me your analysis. Boom. He comes back with like two page thing on him. And it, it tells me, yep or nope. It's great. Uh, I de- he's definitely a guy I keep his name close and I'll stay in touch with him moving forward. Cause I think he's, he's on to something. Well, thanks so much again, coach. Like I said, uh, it was, it was really great. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time and opening up and giving us the, the all access to your career and to UTSA and uh, definitely know that you guys are continuing to build something great and build on to what you guys have already built and uh, excited for, if we are blessed with the season to see, you guys do some fantastic things. And, uh, yeah, just excited to continue to follow your career, Coach. And, and thanks so much again for making yourself available. I think a lot of people got a lot from this. So thanks so much again. And, um, yeah, thanks, everybody, for joining. Absolutely. Anytime. Appreciate Appreciate you guys. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your legacy.